she loses and it's like, oh, dang. This is Tall Can Audio. Away we go on an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. This is TCA episode 1199. Matt Robinson over here. Steve Bund over there. What's happening, man? Oh, Matty, it's good to be back. I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. They're Talcan Audio fans weren't uh, too aggressive today. Just one or two of them very upset. I think with the me weather kept them away. Maybe I was gonna say the snow and the rain that really kept them away. They were waiting for me, but uh, only two of them were strong enough to kind of stick out the weather to to say, "What the hell are you doing here, Bunda?" And I said, yeah. "Oh, dang it, that, Matty. that Bunda limo's got the snow tires on it when it rolls up. Still oh, very recognizable. I'm not much of a limo. I have a Hummer like Arnold. <laughs> okay. yeah, so that a boy. You right. see him on the Manning Cast this week? <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it, but I saw the highlights. I think what. Was he feeding a goat? He brought a goat or something into his office on camera. I don't know what the hell was going on. I with didn't the... realize him and Tom Brady were that close. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah. Wrong goat, Bunda. Oh yeah. No, I uh, I saw that and I saw. Didn't they like uh, face swap him too? Like they put his face. Like they kind of made Peyton Manning look like Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, for a did minute. They? Okay. Yeah. There was I, a lot that they. I didn't tried see to that. Do. I just same as you. I wasn't watching the Manning cast. I saw it online. They just put up the thing of the goat. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Yeah. I, the Manning cast was really cool when it first came out. And like they had some good guests. Like I think they've had some over the time, but yep. it's just, I, I find it so overdone and so too much now. Uh, and I, I still enjoy the two of them interacting and the occasional guest kind of thing, but yeah, yeah, this was weird. But like even without the donkey or the goat or whatever the hell they were doing there, like what was the point of bringing Arnold Schwarzenegger on? Like yeah. just, just talking I mean, about th- the game. And that's a cool guest to have if he wants to talk about football and life. Like they have guys on like that all the time. Like they've had the rock on to talk like wrestling and yeah. XFL football movies. Like they do just about everybody that they can get on there. Yeah, but, but they've become like a vehicle for like the promotional tour, right? Like you yeah. just said, like somebody's getting ready to, to put out a movie. So they come on the Manning cast and he's like, all right, you yeah, it, I don't need it. It's kind of weird. I don't like it very much. I prefer just watching the football games. But like I said, I feel like it's more overdone than anything now. And it's like, oh, let's make sure you watch these highlights. And like you go on to ESPN the day after a Monday night football game and it'll have like highlights on ESPN. It's like, okay, it's not that good of a broadcast. Like Pey- <laughs> I like Peyton a lot in the broadcast booth. I think he's really good. I don't really like Eli that much. Right. And it's a I just try. Yeah. And I just, I think he tries a lot harder because mm. he knows that Peyton isn't, you know, Peyton doesn't have to try hard. He's just naturally a funny kind of comical guy that's very relatable to people. Right. He's kind of funny like that where Eli is just kind of a quieter, you got to go out of your comfort zone to kind of be a little bit more funnier. And I think it just, it's not very great. So I don't know. I'm just kind of over it. I'm one of those guys who like you, like when the game is on, I'll probably just watch the normal broadcast, but I, I like, I won't lie. Like I do enjoy the clips that they tweet out now and then. Like I got time for like the funniest minute or two of the thing or whatever. Exactly, That's enough for me. So, um, we are on social media at talk and audio. Give us a follow there. He's on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram X and Instagram at Steve Bund and 90. One, uh, you can give him a follow as well, and uh, we got beers to start with. You've been kind enough, as per usual, to uh, to bring something in when you've come by, uh, and uh, you grab something out of the fridge there. What are you going with? Yeah, I went and I uh, I grabbed the one uh, that actually first I first saw when I opened up your fridge today, Maddie. But I went with the uh, Faces Double IPA from Try a Welly on. Uh, so Wellington Brewery, uh, very nice. It's an 8.5%. Oh boy. Uh, so it's a strong one. Uh, yeah. that's for sure. A nice IPA, but, 
Uh, I am excited to try this. The citrus, the can looks cool. It's got some trees. It looks, uh, yeah, it looks very interesting. So let me uh, let me give this one a whirl. Right. What did you grab today, Matt? Well, you know how this went. Uh, you walked in here as you often do with a couple in your hand and and went to put them in the fridge and you pointed out that one of them that you had brought was was a classic and everyone knows this one, but it never makes any enemies, right? Like you've often, I'm the guy who goes for like the new one, the one I've never tried, but there's certain ones that jump out. You're like, no, I want that right now. Yeah. And you had brought one of those today. It's a classic. Everyone in Ottawa who's into the craft beer scene knows the Sunsplit IPA. And uh, when you walked into one with that and it, you said you were going to put it in the fridge, I'm like, why don't you just put that in my hand right now? I'm going to bring that into the studio. <laughs> so it is a classic. It is appreciated that you brought that one by. Um, yeah, this one, you know, been around forever, right? Everybody knows the Sunsplit. Yeah, Dominion City, great uh, brewery. So, uh, yeah, love always having a Sunsplit every once in a while. And I had one. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give it to Maddie because I'll, every time I come here, I drink your beer, and it's nice to kind of have them replaced. So, sure, yeah, nice, good taste. It's a great beer, man. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, this first sip always got that kind of fruity upfront to it. That, yeah, no, normally, like so many IPAs, kind of like this. You, you sort of think of the summer and we kind of got the first real dose of snow and freezing rain and stuff here today, but it's not affecting the flavor of the sun split at all. It's, no. a, it's a beer for any season. Man. This is a, this is very much stout season. Yes. So, uh, yes. I feel you on that one. But, uh, <laughs> when I went for the IPA too, like I said, this is a nice juicy, I love the hops in this one. This is great. I actually love this one a lot right now. So the face is double IPA. We'll, uh, Citra and Idaho, seven hops. Nice. Okay. Seven. I have no idea what those are, but it sounds delicious. Sounds like KFC. <laughs> what is it? The nine, nine secret ingredients? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the secrets, herbs and spices and, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I should let the good listener know coming up on, uh, on the podcast, a couple of fun guests, uh, our buddy Hoffley is going to be back in here next week. Everybody knows Hoffley. him pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and, um, Mike Camito, who's an author, he's been on a few times. He was actually one of our very first guests on the podcast when he wrote the book, uh, his first book. Hockey 365 Daily Tale or Daily Stories from the Ice, it was called. And so uh, we had joked, and he doesn't shy away from the idea that it's, it's just mm. a page or two every day. January 3rd, here's what happened. January 4th, here's what happened. Like just one stat, one interesting thing that had happened around the NHL. Yeah. And when he first came in, he kind of said, you know, this is a book you leave on the back of the toilet, right? You sit down, you take care of your morning business, <laughs> and read what happened in, that day in hockey. And so he's been on a few times since. He put out uh, Hockey 365. Uh, the second period, which was just more interesting stories from each day Mm -hmm. of the the year. And now he's getting a little more specific. The book he's got out right now is Leafs 365. Every day, a story about the Toronto Maple Leafs, something interesting that's, uh, that's happened there. So he's touring around promoting that right now. Uh, a longtime friend of the show, a good buddy. So, uh, we're looking forward to having Mike Camito on. I believe that's going to be next Friday. And, uh, and it looks like Bunda and I've said this before, so I don't want to get too wound up about it, but that pigeon Creech. That pigeon. <laughs> we've, we've been talking about him a little bit and, and t- texting with him. And it's been hard, right? He's out at the rink in the mornings yeah, covering yeah. practices, and then he's got pre and post games around the Sens. But sometime over the next two weeks, we're going to try and get him in while the Sens are either in Sweden or recovering from Sweden, right? Mm. The, there won't be any practices here in town, uh, fewer pre and post game shows because they're just going to play the two games over there. We're going to try and work that out and get him in here finally because you know, he used to join us quite frequently when you would, when you were first coming on, it was the three of us often that were doing these shows and you know, he's kind of vanished on us. So we're going to try this again. No yeah. promises, but we're going to try it. Yeah. The guy's got what, what does he call them? Kids. He's got kids. Yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got priorities. What, he's got responsibilities. What's it called? The wife too. Yeah, he's got that too. So I, he's, I guess he's got some excuses. People to answer to. Uh, yeah, whenever exactly. I see him, I'll let him know. Don't worry. I always let him know he's a bit of a weasel. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
a weasel and a pigeon. So, it's, uh, so some good stuff coming up, man. It's going to be fun over the next couple of weeks around here. And look, uh, you were here two or three weeks ago now. I can't, I guess it'd be about three weeks ago. And we were talking about UFC 294. And we ended up, as we often do, down all kinds of other side roads, talking about football, talking about hockey. And, mm. and we're going to do that a little bit again today. But we're going to talk some UFC 295. We're going to talk about three main events that have been uh, unveiled. But on both of our minds today, I'm quite certain, as we sit here and record on Thursday mm-hmm. afternoon, is that Wednesday night Toronto Maple Leafs Ottawa Senators game. Battle of Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a skirmish of Ontario, right? It really, to me, neither one of them looked super impressive. Ottawa certainly looked better than Toronto did, full value for the victory, but man, some sloppy play from both teams. I, I'm curious what your sort of takeaway from from that game was. By the time the good listener hears this on Friday, Ottawa will have played again against Vancouver, but you know, this is still fresh in mind, Leafs and, and Sens on national TV on a Wednesday night. Yeah, no, I think the big thing, I'll look at it from the Sens standpoint from right now, but just uh, good on Claude Giroux, what a game from him, right? But you know, all week we've been talking about the comments from Brady Kachuk about the fans getting, you know, booing him, him yep. being upset, you know, uh, and frustrated with it. And, you know, there was a lot of talk, you know, that, you know, it goes back to a couple of weeks ago when Pierre Dorian was fired, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of, and I think Michael Landlauer was asked, you know, is it just one thing? And he says, you know, yeah, I think DJ Smith is going to stay here as the head coach. Um, and, you know, what's going to happen here moving forward, you know, the players haven't quit on him. So, you know, we're going to keep him in place. So I looked at that as a sense of, okay, well, they haven't quit on him, but they're still in a three-game losing skit. Yep. They went on to lose again and again, and it yep. kind of, you know, the booze came down. And I feel like once, like, they made these comments about and La- about uh, DJ Smith and the players not quitting on him, you put, uh, like, a direct kind of target on Spotlight, DJ's back. Yeah, 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 on his back. And even if you want to argue, you know, the players haven't quit on him, this is a results or into business. Mm-hmm. Like they're still not winning. They're, they're on a losing skid. You know, they were at home for five games and they only won one. Uh, it wasn't very good. Like when you have that kind of situation, um, now you're off to Sweden and things are happening. Then you have a battle of Ontario. Well, what happens? Well, Claude Drew, the veteran, right? Captain in Philadelphia, you know, he's an Ottawa kind and of guy. He made some comments on Tuesday as well after Brady. So it was exactly. important for him to step up as you were pointing out there. Yeah. And I think that uh, he absolutely did, right? Yep. Uh, you know, you look at that game early on, the first two periods, uh, you know, Corpusalo, you know, had himself a game, right? <laughs> for once, uh, you know, I don't want to say for once, but he's been struggling so far this year, but to kind of really cement himself as like this guy. Like, yeah, you know what? I signed a big deal in the offseason here. Like, I am the starting goaltender, right? Mm-hmm. Forsberg hasn't really played much, but, you know, Corpus Allo hasn't played very well either. So it's kind of a situation where they needed him to kind of go in there, win a game, steal a game. So I thought he played really good. You know, the big save on Austin Matthews in the first period. Which there was, was two of them there late in the first. first very the the big one is Austin Matthews, right? The, he yeah. kind of danced, I guess it was Clevin, and then yeah. got right in on and a huge save from Corpus Allo. But not long before that, I think it was John Tavares that he robbed yeah. right in front of the net and and just sort of held his ground there. Mm-hmm. And those were two, you know, I sort of felt like at the time it was 1-1. Those, it was a reasonably evenly played period. I wouldn't say a well-played period, but an evenly played period. Yeah. But either one of those goes in or heaven forbid both of them if you're a Sens fan and it's a totally different game. So for him to stop Tavares and Matthews late in the first kind of held Ottawa in a spot there that they would be able to come out in the second and take over a little bit. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's kind of weird because, you know, I don't, I think Joseph Wall was, you know, he didn't have his best game. Um, no. 
but he also did a lot to keep the Leafs in that game mm-hmm. at times. So it's kind of a weird situation where I wouldn't fault him completely for the loss, but you look at the goals and just kind of small mistakes, right? Yeah. The first goal, kick it in the corner, but it goes underneath your pad and into yeah, the net. Yeah. You know, a couple of other ones, playing the puck behind the net, what are you doing? Like, that stay in the terrible. net. Yeah. yeah, like, there's a lot of stuff like that, but also he made a lot of saves to keep the Leafs in the game for a while because, like you said, a very sloppy game. Um, I, I just, I also wanted more from it, right? Battle of Ontario, you've got guys, you know, uh, you know Max Domi, they signed him in the offseason. He really hasn't been d- doing much. Like I, I feel like he's since uh, Robertson's been put on his line with Yarncroke. That yeah, line and they moved him into the middle. It's been a little better, right? A little bit better, but yeah. I still want to see more from him. Right, that edge. You haven't really seen any of that. No, you haven't really seen in like Battle of Ontario, right? You want to see some fire right between these two teams. Sure. Other th- and I want to see a lot more than Reeves coming up for two minutes on the ice at the end of the game to try and get McEwen to fight. It was, yeah, it was, and it's just like every McEwen. Parker was, Kelly was he the second? Was that the other guy? He was the first guy yeah. I think that he tried to get after, and, and Parker Kelly just went off the ice. McEwen went on. You know, you just saw Reeves kind of he could struggle to skate like but he's ge- McEwen quite early he's gesturing at the scoreboard like fuck off I'm not fighting you now it's well, 6-3 yeah like, literally <laughs> at the end of the period like yeah. it's you're you're just kind of gooning in general and right. you know that's I think the problem with the Leafs situation is when you watch that game but even the majority of their games like I know they beat Tampa and came from behind but they haven't been playing really good hockey nope. at all um, and, and you look at all of the situations that they've gone through in this offseason right the trail living coming in yep. I, I haven't really been a fan like we've uh, we were texting a lot lately but I think all of the free agents like acquisitions have been brutal. Like they have not done anything to kind of show any of the money, whether it's mm-hmm. Max Domi, Klingberg, uh, Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi and Reeves, but Bertuzzi, yeah. especially like this is a guy that was apparently the most coveted free agent, you know, in, in free agency. I was excited. They got him. Yeah. There's I, no I, commitment. Cause it was just one year. Yeah. 5 million bucks. Like that guy's easily going to score. You thought he'd play probably with Matthews and Marner mm-hmm. in that scenario. You sort of envision him somewhere around 25 goals, 50, 55 points. Yeah. Easy win. That's no problem. And it's not working. It just, and it, and it's, it's troublesome too, because it's like now he's on the line too with, uh, Nylander and Tavares and those two are carrying him. Yeah. Like Nylander scored a goal last night in the power play. So there's his, uh, his, his point, point streak, streak continues. Yeah, yeah. Good for him. And it's uh, crazy. Cause you go back to the overtime game. It took him to keep that yes. uh, against Tampa to keep that streak going, which is good. Tavares has been, you know, so, so like not great, not bad. I have no issues with the way Tavares has played the season so far, but you look at the games that they've won so far lately and the, like, look at the Tampa game. Well, what was the line that got the team going? Like it's, it's Matthews, Marner and nice. Mm-hmm. Like th- that line got them going again. And y- you look at the game last night, you know, it's it, like Bertuzzi he scores the goal, but it was more like Drake Batherson. What the hell were you doing on that faceoff? Like yeah. it was, he like he was just lazy on that play. And Bertuzzi was it's just been happening a, a lot. Yeah, eh? like he's not looking. Yeah, he's. I expected. I've said it before on the show. I expected a big bounce back from that guy this year. It's not happening. It's struggling not a, yet, anyway. Struggling a good bit for sure. And I think I just look at that. Uh, you know, when I see you know Domi out there, and it's it's not terrible. I feel like he has a role. He could be a bottom six guy. And like you said, I think in, as a centerman. But I want to see more of the grittiness from him because that's why you kind of brought him in, Bertuzzi. I feel like this guy is just a, a pace behind and just looks like he has no idea how to play the system or something because he just doesn't seem like a kind of possession player. And every time he's on the ice, he's just kind of looks like he's out for a public skate. It's just like, he's getting out, he's paid out there to go kind of be this physical body. That's, you know, good on the power play, put the like in front of the net, harder to play against. Like maybe the playoffs, if the Leafs can make the playoffs, so <laughs> you'll see more of them in a certain role, but just so far it's been, it hasn't been very good And Klingberg, you know, they went out and signed him to be a, you know, a puck moving defenseman. And 
and I didn't know if they really needed one that badly, but the guy just absolutely struggles with the puck in his own end and, and just defending. It just it's been it's been pretty bad. And the Leafs have had some some serious injuries to the back end. Lilligren's a very unfortunate one yeah. too. But Jake McCabe looks like he's just about ready to come back. So yeah. now he's not a huge stabilizer, but he's I can tell you as we just mm-hmm. before you arrived, they were um Mark Masters from TSN was tweeting out the, the, the line combinations at Leaf practice today, and they have sent down Max Lejoie. They've called up Pontus Holmberg. So they are in a position to healthy scratch a forward if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the line combinations today were the exact same up front as they were on Wednesday night against Ottawa. But on the, the blue line, they have, uh, it looks like um, Klingberg will be the seventh defenseman. Yeah. And so McCabe, they had back... Uh, on the second pair with Giordano, which also was an I- ideal. Like Giordano, no. he's 40 years old. He's the oldest skater in the league. He can't and be playing second and he pair looks minute. It. He, he looks it when he's out there too. And I think that's the, he looked at last year. Yeah. And I like the guy. He seems like a great dude and all. But yeah. I, ever since they traded for him a couple of years back, I, I just haven't been a fan of the what he's brought into the Leafs. Yeah. And so that'll also leave on the third pair then like Lagason and... Uh, Benoit. Yeah. Matt, so... Those are the guys you're choosing right now ahead of John Klingberg. And you yeah. know what? They're not wrong to make that choice right now. And I wondered, because you saw in the press conference on Wednesday after that Leaf Sens game, Keith is exasperated, right? Like he's yeah. had enough of this. He's, it, But he's sort of in a tough spot because all the guys that are playing the worst, as you've pointed out, are the new guys. The ones mm-hmm. that your new boss, the new GM, just went out and got for you. And if you don't have his blessing to scratch them, mm-hmm. you can't really do much, right? Because all of a sudden you, you're embarrassing your boss. We used to talk about this a little bit in that brief window where Kyle Dubas was GM and Babcock was still coach. Yeah. Babcock had no respect for Kyle Dubas and was openly showing him up and not playing his guys and, and benching and, Jason Spezza, right, right? All these sorts of yeah. moves that Dubas had just made. And he was just going, yeah, no, I'm not playing that guy. And so I don't think Keith wants to create that situation. You just went out and spent $4.8 million on John Klingberg can I healthy scratch him? Well, it looks like today that's on the table and they might be doing that. Um, so we'll see. But to circle back to that game on Wednesday, the the Ottawa Senators, I thought, you know, came out, had that great third period to wrap it up. But yeah, there was still some question marks there too. Like, oh yeah, Stutzla early on looked a little bit lost and then he ends up having a four point game. So kind of, he does fine, right? Giroux was great, as you pointed out. Josh Norris still looks kind of lost, like he's not quite mm. sure what he's doing out there. I don't know if that's just, if he's still banging the rust off from from the injury and the time away. Mm-hmm. Um, as we pointed out, Batherson, uh, I don't know if it's laziness, like you pointed out on the one goal, it certainly was on the Bertuzzi goal, just not getting it done. But even in the offensive zone where he's supposed to be a bit of a stud, he doesn't look right. So Ottawa and Toronto, I, I tweeted out before that game, I said, these are two teams looking at each other going, man, these fucking guys are ripe for the picking, right? Yeah. Because they both look weak. And then you sit there and go, oh, they're looking at us the exact same way. Like both teams think the other team is the weak one. And mm. it turned out Ottawa got the best of Toronto. Like I said, I didn't think Tor- Ottawa played great, but they played better than Toronto. They grabbed the two points. And it seems to have, and again, people aren't going to hear this till Friday. So if they've gotten beat up by Vancouver, maybe the mood has changed again. But here as we sit on Thursday... Things have settled down a little bit, it seems like, around the fan base, right? A big win, national TV over one of your big rivals mm-hmm. has calmed the fan base down a little bit. Even if it wasn't as as beautiful as you'd want it to be, it got the job done and and everybody can kind of take a deep breath and go, okay, you're back in this and, you know, things are 
feeling a little more comfortable. Well, you bring up a good point there because I feel like there are so many storylines around the team right now, the Ottawa Senators in general, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you look at the game last night, how many times did you notice Brady Kachuk? Yeah, not one of his signature games. No, right? and that's another guy too that had those serious comments this week, right? Yep, and was cr- kind of criticized by it from you know a lot of people. Even like I said, even myself, like I just don't talk to the about the fans, right? Like yep. that's one thing you don't do. It's like a hard battle and, to and, win, yeah. But I'm not surprised he did. Yep. Like this is the kind of guy he is. He's a passionate leader. Mm-hmm. That's who he is. Like you see this guy chugging beers, watching his brother play in Calgary a couple <laughs> years ago in the playoffs. Like as this guy's in the NHL, like there's like this is just a passionate guy. He loves the game, and it obviously upsets him to hear the fans booing. Um, and like he said, you know, no one's quitting on the coach. It's not about quitting. No, but you guys aren't winning. Right. So it, it, whether you want to quit or not, it doesn't matter. You're losing, and you know this is six years without going to the playoffs. Uh, you know the slow starts have, have been amounting. So yeah. It's, the big, it's hard to kind of bag on them when they, you know, have a big game against the Leafs. Yeah, and but as you pointed out, like, who's talking about that right now? It's yeah. one quiet game for Brit- the On the, the radio, on Twitter, in the newspapers, there's enough nice story. Hey, you beat the Leafs. That's yeah. a good one. Hey, Stutzla, four-point night. That's a good story. Yeah. Hey, Claude Giroux steps up, does his thing. That's a good story. Like, there's enough good yeah. things that came out of that game for Sens fans that, you know, it. I, to me, it, it's just put out the fire a little bit, at least for, for a day. Yeah. We'll see how things go moving forward. But, which, uh, which is good and nice too for Suns fans, right? Because it's been very negative for the 100%. last few weeks, yeah. you know, uh, with the suspensions, uh, you know, with the, the well, the Shane Pinto, but mm-hmm. then Ann Lauer, then the Dorian stuff. Like there's been a lot that's happened the last few weeks. Yeah. That's kind of more of the, all right, like uh, let's just kind of calm everything down a bit. You know, a win like, look, and that's the thing. Winning cures a lot of things. 100%. And so when, you know, when you have a game and like you said, Claude Giroux is the one out there on the podium talking so much. He's the veteran leader. Not that Brady Kachuk isn't the veteran leader, but this, like, Claude Drew's been, been through around. a lot. Yeah. He's been through a lot. And Philadelphia is not the, I don't want to say that they're the easiest market to play in, they but they're, not. or the hardest market to play in, but, you know, it's a very it's passionate right fan there, base. Yeah. yeah, they're up there for sure as a, as a very... Philly's an honorary original six team, right? <laughs> like, that's that's a top-end franchise. been around a long time. Their fans don't put up with much. No. And uh, and they know what they're looking at. Exactly. So. so this is a guy that knows a lot of it, too. So, and like you said, Stutzla is a guy that, um, not very, it's funny, because he hasn't been very flashy so no. far this season, nope. but like you said, puts up a very big game where he puts up four points. Um, you know, he, he looks a bit shaky at times, but the guy has been producing and yeah. for the Ottawa Senators and for the fans, like it, it is good to get the win against the Leafs too. Like it's mm-hmm. a, a rival team. It wasn't, like I said, I kind of, you know, longer the days of the real battle of Ontario, sure. right. I make the joke of when I say battle of Ontario, but yeah. I feel like you need to have kind of that, like a nastiness and, and like, you know, even like big body checks, like none of that last night, like Not it was really. very much a, uh, a quiet, and more, it kind of felt stressful, right? Like yeah. both teams were stressed out yeah. uh, and you could tell that they haven't played very well. And like you said, they're both eyeing up, like we're not making any mistakes. We're not going to goon. We're not going to be goofy. We're not going to go out of our ways. We're just going to play a game. And then they both went out and, and, and then did they, mess up. Yeah. And they did make the mistakes. Yeah, they did at times, but it was more like, it was more nerves. Like I said, I you think did, so. You didn't see, like I said, Bertuzzi or Kachuk or any of these, like Jickren had a great game. I think yes, that, you know, yeah. he, I think he had a great game for Ottawa too on the back end and he's done a good job so far this year, staying healthy and playing very strong, especially when the Ottawa Senators have lost a lot of guys on their back end as well. Yeah. They were hoping to get Zub back for last night, but uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he's close. Hopefully tonight, I don't know, I guess we'll see, but yep. um, I, I think when you go into this game and you, you know, you're know you expecting a lot more physicality, like let's get this rivalry going, it just feels like it wasn't a very good um, opportunity to set this game up, right? Like you want to kind of set hit, alright, Battle of Ontario, let's go, we're going to Yeah, you'd rather them. see these two teams both running at 100% and then yeah. smash into each other in a classic matchup, and instead it 
it was like two people just sort of two teams that aren't playing their best hockey and it, and it really looked like it yeah. and and just kind of struggling to not make the biggest mistake and yep. you know I, I think Joseph Wall like I said he he did a good job keeping the Leafs in it but he also did a good job of you know kind of not having Taking his best game moment. either yeah. but I still think Wall uh, like deserves to be the number one goaltender there I feel like Sammy is I don't know man I they got like, a back to back here on Friday and Saturday yeah I guess. So it'll be hard to tell whether they've changed their minds on, because one of them's going to play each game, right? Mm. I, I would imagine you go with Samson on Friday just to give Wall the extra day off. Like if one mm. of them's got to play either way. Yeah. Uh, so Samsonov, I believe it's Calgary Friday, Vancouver Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wall probably gets Saturday and then they're off to Sweden and, and you'll be able to make your decisions from there. But um, they'll have some time to figure things out on the flight over to... Uh, over to Stockholm. We should talk some fights though, before we get too bogged down. This is what always happens. We push it back. We push it back. We don't get to everything we want to get to. So yeah, yeah, we should move it. into some fights. Why don't we start with an announcement that was made during that Leafs and Sens game, uh, during the intermission. And I thought it was interesting. It came out of nowhere. Like, I don't think anybody knew this was coming. Um, that here in Canada, the UFC broadcast rights will move from TSN to Sportsnet. And uh, 100 years ago, back when, uh, as Dana White called it in the GSP days, Sportsnet was the home mm-hmm. of, uh, of UFC. And what we're talking about here is not the big events. Those will all still be on, on pay-per-view. But you're talking about your fight nights. You're talking about the prelims before the big cards. You're talking about uh, Dana White's contender series. I know you're big into, uh, mm-hmm. into that. Um, Ultimate it's the, Fighter, too. Right, yeah. It's all the programming that goes along with it kind of just below that pay-per-view level. And this will obviously also tie into Sportsnet Plus uh, for some of the bonus content that won't be on the main networks. And that's one of the things that maybe isn't talked about enough is like TSN has tried to get their TSN Plus going, right? This online, mm-hmm. the extra content, the extra channels. And the UFC was a big part of that. Often you'd see if there was a lot going on, maybe in the CFL or whatever on Saturday nights, that those those prelims would get pushed to TSN Plus. And they're having a hard time selling that. And now you're not going to have that UFC content to be a part of it. So that'll all move on to Sportsnet Plus as well. Uh, I'm curious what your your thoughts were. You and I texted a little about it. You didn't seem particularly impressed with uh, with the news, but did mm-hmm. you know it was coming or were you surprised? Like, what do you make of it? No, I, I, I did not know it was coming. Uh, surprised for sure. Disappointed for sure too. Um it is, it is a lot. I think it's a lot. You know, TSN has done such a great job, especially Aaron Bronstetter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known and worked with him for quite a while, but um, he's a guy, too, that has just done such a good job of, you know, learning about the sport, uh, being knowledgeable about the sport, and, you know, expressing that when he does his interviews with Dana White, with the fighters, uh, when he talks MMA. Yeah. He doesn't just cover UFC. He covers everything. Like, he's... Um, it's a small thing, eh? But after those big events or whatever mm-hmm. Dana speaks, he does, like he tweets out the whole thread of everything yeah. that gets said. And like, I'm not always sitting around watching the press conferences, but I know I can go back and find all of it. And like, it's yeah. a small thing, but not everybody does it, right? That's attention to detail. And he was big on that. Well, he was big. Yeah, that's the thing. He, like I said, he did such a great job for TSN and, and kind of, in you know, Canadian coverage. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I remember covering the, uh, the, the UFC here in Ottawa, Cowboy versus Ali Quinta right. with uh, Creech. And, uh, you know, just seeing... Uh, Aaron Bronstetter do his job like you know doing the open workouts he's there asking all the main questions to the fighters as they're on the stage and you know the the kind of the fans are kind of there watching it's kind of a you know just a goofy thing for fans but you know he's there doing that stuff you know seeing him do his interviews live after fights like in the back like he's not sitting there ringside watching all the fights he's in the back watching the fights interviewing the fighters learning about the fighters talking to people coaches right like he's uh he does a lot 
Uh, and he's done a lot to grow the sport in Canada uh, with his coverage in TSN. Like mm-hmm. he's he's very good and very well knowledge uh, in the sport. And I, I think that's something that just uh, he doesn't get enough credit for. He hasn't, and uh, I feel. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much his job is going to change, but obviously probably a lot because TSN was the rights holder, right? So that was yep. a big thing. Him and Robin Black were the guys that would always talk MMA. They would always be the guys on SportsCenter. Uh, you know, Sportsnet is going to take yeah, this I, over now, and I'm not really sure. Well, I'm glad you brought this up just before we move to the Sportsnet side of it because you know Aaron Bronstadter. You used to yeah. have him on the radio on the weekends when you and yeah. Breach were doing that. You talked to him. I'm just a fan of his work. I've never spoken to the man. Yeah. I just, I have a lot of respect for the way he did the job. You actually know him. So a tip of the cap from us yeah. here to the, we don't know that he, his job will change all that much. Now his access might a little as not being the national rights holder anymore. Yeah. That might make it harder for him, but TSN might keep him on. Like, I, I don't want to paint a doom and gloom picture, right? To still cover the sport, but um, yeah. we'll see. The, the coverage for me uh, outside of that. I guess what I said to you in, in text messages last night is I'm not sure how much this is going to change because when you're watching the fight nights or the contender series, you're not getting like a Canadian feed and, mm-hmm. a, you know, our own broadcasters or whatever. You're usually just getting whatever the UFC or ESPN who's covering UFC is putting out yeah. and it's just what channel it's on. So I don't know how much as a viewer, other than knowing what channel it's on, the, the coverage will actually change. But you seem a little more down on this. Yeah. See, I look at it in a sense of, you know, when I want to, you know, learn, like when I come on this podcast, um, you know, and I know we're going to be talking fights yeah. or I, you know, I'm sitting at home and I want to learn about fights. I get excited about fights. I usually go to tw- like Aaron's Twitter feed yeah. uh, or I'll go to TSN and I'll see the interviews he's done with the fighters leading up to the fights this week. Mm-hmm. And that's where I learn a lot about, you know, what the fighters have right. done. Like, and it's just, he, he, like I said, the coverage and the uh, questions he asks the fighters, like he can ask them serious questions. He can ask them fun questions. He asks them relatable questions. Like Aaron is, and like Dana White, like you think back to all the times he's interviewed Dana White, yeah. like he's never backed down from Dana White or any of these fighters that have maybe given up. Like Dana's a, a hard guy to deal with. Everybody mm-hmm. sees it. Yep. Everybody knows it. But Aaron's just done such a great job with his, his coverage and the way he has learned. And like I said, he kind of reports on the sport. He's done such a good job for that. So when I look at it, I look at it in a whole sense of, um, you know, when I watch hockey, when I watch baseball, when I watch, uh, you know, UFC, every, anything I watch that's on TSN, uh, the coverage is just so much better than Sportsnet. And that's, it's kind of, you know, you could laugh at me, chirp. I don't care. Like I, I am, a, I've worked for Bell Media and I, you know, <laughs> I, but it, you know, it is what it is. I just find that their product is inferior and it, it it is what it is. And now that moving forward, I, I want to watch interviews. I want to learn about, I just, I find I, I want, I'm not excited about Sportsnet getting it. So I see what you're saying. Like to you, this isn't necessarily about the quality of the broadcast. That's just going to be what channel it's on. It's yeah. the coverage behind the scenes a little bit and, and the people that'll be working on it and the detail put, put into it that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like I said, it just, it's something where I've seen enough from uh, you know, sports net in the past where I'm not like, I don't love their Jays coverage. I don't really love their, like the best part of the broadcast was, you know, stealing showman from ESPN <laughs> and adding him to your, you know, Jays broadcast more or less. But I just, I find that, uh, their coverage of stuff isn't always the best. It's not very I was great. talking about this last night on yeah. Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, but I stayed up late later than I should have watching Kings and Golden Knights and it was on sports net, but they were using the TNT feed and the panelists were, uh, it was Lundquist and Biz and like Anson Carter. Mm-hmm. You're like, it was so easy flowing, right? It was mm-hmm. insightful. They knew what they were talking about and they worked with each other and just talked about the game and what they were seeing. 
so much better than what mm-hmm. Sportsnet's putting. Now, I want to I want to draw a line here because I love the play by play of Chris Cuthbert. I think he's fantastic. Yep. I think he's the best in the business. At, Again, at what he stole does. him from. Yep. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But it's the panels where I just go, yeah. ah. like Friedman. There's no question in my mind that guy is perhaps the most connected insider in the business. He has contacts. He's great for breaking news. Not really that interested in what he's got to say breaking down the game right between periods. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's his strength. There's little things like that where you go, just give a little more time to Jen Botterill or Cassie Campbell or like Anson Carter comes up to do sports and that's something. Like it's it's so bizarre to me. I know we're getting off on a whole other thing yeah. here, but the, that in Canada, you can't find three people to have a natural hockey conversation as good as the ones that are happening on TNT in the US. Aren't we supposed to be the home of, of well, hockey? And it just seems like it's uh, they're trying too hard to be kind of cute and fun rather than just whatever. Like you, you so bring it's up just the, being natural. Yeah, you bring the panel, like uh, you bring up the panel, like last night watching Leafs and Sense game, uh, you know, in the intermission. But, yeah. you know, the way they're all sitting, they're kind of sitting facing each other and they're not really facing the camera. It kind of feels like we're, you know, they're having their own four person discussion and I they're guess, not, yeah. and we're kind of just like in the background. It's like, oh, like, and the setups, it just feels like it's just not as. Well done. I agree and, with you on that. And I, so I, 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 am, I am more a TSN guy and they're not perfect either. No, but no, they're not, but they are uh, to me, uh, they, on a lot of things, they, they do a better job. So to, to bring yeah. it back around it, I'm with you. I, I, I think the coverage behind the scenes, the bonus coverage, like outside of the actual broadcasts yeah. may take a hit here. I asked you the other night if you remember the name Showdown Joe Ferraro back in the Showdown day. Showdown Joe. Yeah. yeah. He used to be the big, uh the big UFC guy on Sportsnet back in the first run when they had this. So mm-hmm. I did do a Google search to see if he was still doing things. And he's occasionally still writing on Sportsnet. So maybe you'll be seeing him on TV more, but. I assume they'll bring him back pretty big time. Yeah, I, I guess. And so we'll see how that all shakes loose, but I'm not sure it's it's, it's great news. Now, the one thing that is good news for me is uh, on a personal level, because I live here in Ottawa and I want to watch all the Leaf games. I have to buy the NHL package. And a year or two ago, that got rolled into Sportsnet Plus. Hmm. And so all the bonus content that the UFC puts out that I wasn't willing to go and give an extra eight bucks to TSN for TSN Plus for, I already have Sportsnet Plus for the hockey package. Mm-hmm. And uh, your WWE network gets rolled into that too. Oh, but yeah. also now you're, uh, there'll be some UFC content there. So for me personally, yeah. there will be more fights to watch without having to pay any extra for, which is kind of nice. I do understand what you're saying, that perhaps the columns and the opinion stuff and the interviews and things like that may take a hit on the move here. We'll, we'll give them a chance. It starts in uh, in January, the new deal. But yeah, I, I think there is some reason to fear that it's not going to be quite as good. Yeah. And I look at it in the sense of, you know, where the UFC was at when they were with Fox. UFC on Fox was such a, you know, they were on Spike for a while, right? It was Spike yep. was the big thing that kicked things off. So even when Dana goes to say, oh, you know, back in the days when GSP, like GSP was kind of early when it was more fighting and the fights were on Spike TV. It wasn't really on sports at that time. Like that's a long, long time ago. We're talking 2009, 2010. Yep. But like then the UFC went through this like area where it was the UFC on Fox and Kurt Menefee was here and uh, I think it was Karen Bryant was there yep. and there was a couple of uh, others and uh, Rashad. Kenny Florian, I think was a big part Kenny of that. Kenny Florian, Sugar yeah. Rashad. Evans, yeah. like the, and like, uh, you know, but when I went over to ESPN, like it just got so much better. Yeah. And yeah. I think that when I look at the sense, it's like when it was on TSN and they've had the rights, it's like, okay, they've been really good. Now it's like, all right, now you're going to sports and that it's like, all right, like, like you said, none of the, uh, when we get it, it's still going to be ESPN mm-hmm. and it's going to be the pay-per-view that does the broadcast anyways. And it's just going to be picked up sports. that won't be airing any of that stuff, but it just more or less like, okay, like 
when it was on TSN, it was just kind of always there and it was good. The coverage was good. It was kind of looped in and it was, you know what, on TSN, it's some of their better coverage that they have, like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. NFL stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. okay there on, on TSN, but I'm not a huge fan of it, but. I look at, you know, their hockey coverage, really good too, TSN. It always has been, but it's just kind of unfortunate to see them constantly lose these big, big time rights. It's like true, yeah. TSN's going through a thing where they've lost the rights to the hockey, you know, the NHL a couple of years ago. Yep. And then, well, I guess more they than a couple years ago. On baseball, right? Like yeah, the World ba- Series playoffs, all of that's on Sportsnet. Yeah. Um, like it, you're, you don't have UFC stuff anymore. Nope. Like it's like, okay, like here comes the CPL. They have regional, yeah. They have regional hockey rights and then they have the CFL in the summer and it's getting dire over there. So, mm-hmm. um, they're going to have to the double down on a few things here. I guess before we get into UFC 295 and some of the upcoming cards, I was curious about what you thought of, uh, this is, I guess, two weeks ago now, Francis Ngannou fights Tyson Fury in a boxing match. And look, you, you know how I am with these things. To me, mm-hmm. a lot of them come off as kind of gimmicky, kind of freak shows. Now... Francis Ngannou is not Jake Paul. I, I'm not trying though. to be an, he is a freak. He's, <laughs> he is a crazy man, but he doesn't, this, this was not an embarrassment. This was a trained MMA fighter who stepped into a boxing ring and completely unlike Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather, where Floyd was sort of half retired, but he came back cause Conor was a big name and they sold it as kind of a circus and, and Floyd frankly, through the fight, kind of played with his food a little bit before he got serious with Connor. That's not what happened here. Francis Ngannou got in there with Tyson Fury and held his own, man, and and knocked him down. Um, There's a moment in that fight, I believe it's right as the fight is starting, where Tyson Fury says, I'm going to take you to school. Mm -hmm. And um, when Ngannou, was it in the fifth round, he knocked him down? The eighth round, he oh, knocked him down? I think it was down. third round. Third, third round, round he early. knocks him down? Second, third, it was early. And Ngannou yells at him, you're a terrible fucking professor. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so, I, I'm curious, man. I, I, I kind of thought that had Ngannou got dominated here, this might have been the end of a lot of this crossover talk. And mm. um, Chuck Mindenhall, I believe, was the guy who wrote a great piece the day after that said, it's not the end now. Like, you just... This guy just showed that that UFC guys, or at least this guy in particular, can hang. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what your takeaway was from that fight. Yeah, well, one, I think Ngano got robbed, like I 100%. Yeah. Like he knocked him down and cut him and got in some good shots. Yep. Uh, I only watched the first five or six rounds. Okay. Um, I had to work the Red Blacks game that evening, right, right. which uh, um, I- Speaking of knockdowns. Yeah, knockdowns. <laughs> we don't need to get, we'll let Hoff handle that when right, he comes right. in next week. Um but I, you know, I thought that Ngannou did a good job. You know, it was very unfortunate. I remember being on the podcast and I was here shouting that this is going to be the most bought pay-per-view, you biggest did, pay-per-view. I, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then the Saudi Arabians grabbed it yeah. and put all the money and goofiness into it. And I was like, yeah, this, I don't know. I think I saw Ariel Halani too, that just said that like the number of buys has been like altered of pay-per-view. So we don't even have the numbers no. of how many people bought it. And it's, it's like I said, now we're in a spot where who knows, yeah. um, the production that they did for this fight, like they had the, uh, the, uh, the ring on the outside of this building, they built two rings just for this, especially, uh, like uh, this fight, like it's kind of crazy, yep. but then like you look at the fight and, uh, you know, Fury's fighting for the actual, t- well, he's defending his title against Yushak coming up. Mm-hmm. There's no way he was losing that fight against Ngannou. Like there was no way. The boxing um, establishment wasn't going to allow it. They were not going to allow it. And then you go into that fight and I don't think Tyson Fury did enough to absolutely show that he won. 
Um, but you know what? You look at Ngannou, for him to step in that ring, you know, battle, like you said, knock him down too with a good shot. He landed some big time shots yeah. a, a couple times. Like Fury did a good job of kind of just controlling the fight. Like it, it's kind of crazy to see someone make uh, Ngannou look small. Yes. But like Tyson Fury's a big dude. He's six nine, and he's heavy. It was kind of funny during the uh, weigh-ins. They were kind of just standing there, kind of chirping. They're doing the weigh-ins, and uh, Fury has his shirt off, and Ngano just kind of goes up, and he just kind of grabs a bit of a side fat, <laughs> shakes it a bit. Where you see Ngano walk in, and he's a big dude, anyways. But yeah. you know, this guy is absolutely chiseled, just like a monster, um, and just he can absolutely punch the lights out of you. And you saw that. Like it kind of. Do you think Fury took him lightly? Like if you hundred percent, I don't think he put everything into it, the fight. He probably did. Yeah, um, in his prep, especially like he looked like maybe he he he's got his eye on the title defense. Like you said, a little bit down the road. I wonder mm. if he didn't give this all. It was like if you ran it back. I wonder if it would be less close because it's an interesting dynamic here, right? Like yeah. boxing's been around forever, and they look down their nose at the UFC as being savage and and not you know on the same level. Meanwhile. UFC is far more popular right now. Has yep. bigger star. Now there are some big stars still in boxing, and and worldwide, you know, you could have an interesting discussion depending on what country you're in or or whatever. But for the for the boxing world to look down their nose at the UFC and then have this UFC guy step in there and hang with them, not in a MMA fight. This is a boxing match. This guy came into your world and fought your heavyweight champion mm-hmm. and did not look even a little bit out of place. He like, should have won. Yeah, like, he yeah, should have won. That's the argument, right? <laughs> like whether you won or lost, he was right there yeah. with the best you have to yeah. offer. Yeah. So while the UFC is the bigger sport, the boxing world still has this snobbish look. And as you said, they were never going to allow mm-hmm. their world champion to be to lose before this other fight coming up. It, it, it was a strange dynamic. I thought the presentation was interesting. They had some big names in the UFC come over with Nganu, right? Yeah, Which the, was, there was a lot there. The concerts, I, I think my favorite too is Nganu's walking through a crowd of people and, and he doesn't realize, but he's kind of shaking hands. There's people taking pictures of him and then there's Eminem. He's kind of standing there yeah. and he goes to kind of shake his hand and, and, and Nganu's not really paying attention. He kind of keeps walking and then like <laughs> you see like three people grab him and be like, no, 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 this is Eminem. And he turns over and then you say, Marshall's oh shit, let yeah, me yeah. shake this guy's hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, they brought over a lot of celebrities, guests, soccer players. Like there was, the world was basically, like like I said, I, I really wish this was more of an ESPN kind of sanctioned event somewhere. Well, Saudi Arabia is working hard to turn themselves into like the Vegas of the Middle East. They're throwing the money right? everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. at everything just to We're do gonna it. have big events here. Exactly. And, like I said, it, it's it was gross, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. It is gross. And like I said, it kind of really, I feel like it affected, you know, the way that that fight was kind of presented yeah, yeah. Uh, big time. And I wish it was put on in a, a much better, whether it be HBO or something, just yeah. anything. Yeah. Mayweather Productions, I would have been okay with that. Anything better than what uh, we saw uh, them do. But uh, I think uh, at the end of the day, good for Francis Ngannou uh, to be able to go into that ring. You know, he hasn't fought since Miocic too, right? Which was yeah. uh, March of 2021. Jesus. So it's been a while since he's been in there. So everyone's like, oh, well, Fury has and fought and it's, are you kidding me? This guy's in, in a boxer and he just came into bo- the boxing world. Like it was kind of cool to see him like uh, reading and, and, and watching some of the storylines ahead of time. But like, you know, he grew up being a boxing fan and watching Mike Tyson and just like, that's what made him want to get into combat, combat sports. Like he wanted to become a boxer because of Mike Tyson. Well, who's in his corner? Well, it was Izzy Adesanya and yep. Mike Tyson. Yep. Like, you know, him and Izzy have always been good friends. Yep. Like that's something that they've. Well, and I think Usman was over there with him. Usman like, was, was there. There was yeah. a lot of UFC guys yeah, there. The Africans. Uh, I, I hope that came off. But a lot of the African UFC guys wanted to be there in support of Nganu and were there in his corner yeah. as part of his his entourage or whatever. And that was kind of cool, right? It, you, you, and it's not like Tyson Fury didn't have guys. Like, you had some classic boxing names oh, that, yeah. that were part of his entourage. And so it, it did... 
I'm with you. I didn't think the presentation was, and again, I didn't watch the full thing. I caught the highlights. I watched some of the mm-hmm. lead up. I lost the, the pomp and circumstance they were trying to, to present. I took a look at, but it was kind of cool to see this kind of stare down between the boxing world and the MMA world and, yeah. and to see whether you think Nganu won or lost, he hung in there. He was right there. He hung with the heavyweight champion of the world in, in, um, in the boxing world. And that's, Man, it's not nothing. No, I, I look at it in the sense, too, where I don't know if Fury took him lightly or he didn't want to show too much ahead of his fight against Yushek yeah, yeah. Uh, or whatever. But at the same time, you know, he just he let himself get put into a position where Francis Ngannou walked into that ring and showed that he belongs. And like I said, you know, everybody that was watching that fight, a lot of MMA people, fight, like fighter boxing people, Ngannou won that fight. Yeah. Like he won that fight. So, you know, it's a feather in his cap and he, he's been upset about it and he's been kind oh, of, yeah, he's uh, still been coming at him afterwards, which I kind of wish he'd just shut up about it. Yeah. Cause you know, at this point, everybody knows he kind of won. And like I said, the boxing world was never going to let Ngannou, Ngannou would have to knock him out cold for him to literally yeah. lose this fight. TKO, and, and, something like that. Yeah. Like something indisputable. Shock the world, yeah. something. And this was like, okay, well he was good enough. So we're going to make sure, but you don't see very often in, in boxing, MMA, anything where a guy walks into a, a, a ring, he has a knockdown. He cuts a guy. He, you know, he traded some good shots. It, he never really got put into a very vulnerable, or bad nope. position. Nope. He never got. To, I think. Uh, I don't want to say he got outclassed at all. Like this is a situation where it was kind of silly that they even uh, they announced. Like it was tight, but it was pretty silly that they announced Tyson Fury as the winner. So last thing on this, what does this do for Francis Ngannou? And we heard all kinds of talk beforehand yeah. that, that Dana White and the way he treated him on the way out of the UFC, and that this would be a mistake and no one would care, and all these sorts of things. And people did care, and, and Nganu held his own. I believe he's got a deal now with the PFL, the Professional Fight League. Yeah. But, like, what does this do for Nganu? What do you think he should do next? Is Should he keep coming at Tyson Fury, try and get a, another, like, a real title shot there, a legit title shot there? Does he go back to MMA? Does he, I don't know, do one of these... Paul freak show things to make no. a little money. What what no. do you got next on, like, what do you want to see Nganu do next? Yeah, I don't think the money thing is a thing for him. He's never been about that. I think he's more about fighter pay and, and whatever. I think that was one of the main things, and you, you've seen that w- with the last few weeks, right? The depositions coming out from the, the lawsuit between yeah, fighters and fighters the UFC. Yeah, yeah and, and that was pretty big a couple of weeks ago. So I know he's always been on top of that. Um, and he made, I think, 10 mil uh, to fight against Tyson Fury. Uh, I think he's going to fight him again. I don't know what he's going to do in the PFL, but I think he set himself up for a pretty good you know trilogy kind of thing with Tyson Fury that's my kind of idea I don't know what he wants to do fight wise like I think the biggest thing for her, for Francis Ngannou is he can do whatever he wants now. Yeah. I think he showed that. Like if he would have lost and I'm gotten legit. kind of uh, put into a spot, beat up, like you said, yeah, if, like Conor McGregor kind of thing. Yeah. Any, anything, like it would have been more of a okay, like you know what, you're an MMA guy, go back to MMA. It showed yeah, that he's a great boxed. point, right? Because Conor always had that in his back pocket. This was a one off for him. I'll go back to the UFC whenever yeah. I want. And Ngannou doesn't have that option, right? Yeah. He's at odds with the UFC right now. So if he loses and gets embarrassed. I guess I'm a Bellator guy now or a PFL guy now, one of these secondary mm-hmm. leagues. There was a lot of pressure on him to not get embarrassed, right? Yeah. Like if, if, if he gets humiliated out there, he's in a really bad spot. Oh, and that's why I think he deserves so much credit for the way he fought Tyson Fury. And like I said, he just, whether it was dirty boxing, he had a, a, a sweet uppercut on him early in the fight too, but yeah. knocking him down, just not being afraid. Like that's the other thing. Like, you know, not that Francis Ngannou would ever be afraid because this guy is just a monster in the octagon. Uh, the or world n- he grew up in. Yeah. Just... And that's the thing, but seeing him in the boxing ring with a guy, like I said, it's not very often where you look at Francis Ngannou and be like, wow, this guy's a shrimp. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's like, well, he kind of was when it was Tyson Fury. It's crazy. Because Francis Ngannou is a scary dude. Yeah. When you look at that guy, that's a big guy. The deep voice, everything about him yeah. makes you just go, I am, I 
I hope that guy's a friend, right? Power, like, yeah. everything, man. And then he stands in there beside Tyson Fury, who, like you said, had a bit of a pudge on him, right? He wasn't yeah. in the best shape, but 6'9", or whatever he is, like he's... He, nobody makes Francis Ngannou look small, and yet there it was, right? Yeah. <laughs> standing in there, so... It's crazy. So I, I think Francis did a great job, though, of one, just kind of defending himself, right? Like, that's a big thing, right? He bet on himself to leave the UFC, mm-hmm. and what did he do? He put on a huge boxing event against the number one heavyweight in the world, yep. and he actually looked like... like he said, belonged. He, he belonged, and he beat him. Like, he lost the fight, uh, but, you know, he's a guy that he has a knockdown against the heavyweight champion of the world mm-hmm. where he didn't get knocked down by him. Right. And that's something where he's got that, and he set himself up now where... Uh, you know, I, I feel like you might as well stick in the boxing area right now because who's he going to fight in the PFL yeah. well, that's worth your yeah, time? Yeah. Like, you know, you got uh, heavyweights right now, the vacant, the, the title's vacant, and we're looking at a situation where, you know, we'd have no idea. We'll get more into it, I'm sure, later on. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, it, it makes me uh, so upset to not see that Ngannou's not there to be fighting Pavlovich for the, the title right now. Yeah. Or uh, Tom Aspinall or any sure. of these, like these, the heavyweight division is kind of in a spot where it, it's the best heavyweight in the world isn't fighting right now. And it's like, it's kind of ridiculous. And then, uh, you know, you have John Jones who's going to claim he's, you know, whatever. But so for Francis and Ghana, if you're going to go to the PFL, it's like, who are you going to fight? Like Mike Perry and the like, yeah. uh, bare knuckle. Like, it's just, you're, you're, these guys. And listen, like, even guys, a lot of the guys that go to the PFL are usually guys that are, you know, either done or, or past their prime. Yeah, in they're the trying UFC, to come up, trying or to come or up. are falling down. And the guys that are good usually just come right to the UFC. Yep. They'll go to Dana White. Like, they're younger, whatever. It's very, it's not very often you see guys in the PFL or even Bellator, Affliction, all of those older, like, uh, you, you know, Michael Chandler is one of the outliers, right? And he doesn't look like he even belongs in the UFC. He looks like a, you know, you could kind of tell he's kind of doesn't have the fight IQ to belong in the UFC. He's he's shown it over and over again. He's got the physique. <laughs> he's got the. Well, we may get to him too in a minute. Here yeah, we talk about some some upcoming fights. We're gonna have to. But uh, I look at a sense for for Francis Ngannou, like. You know, you just, you just beat like, I mean, you just, I, I keep saying beat because, uh, you know, I, my personal opinion on it, but yeah. you know, you just faced the heavyweight champion of the world. You knocked him down. You kind of just did one of the biggest things in the world in combat sports. hundred percent. Like, like I said, this, this thing was huge for him. So I think, you know what, why don't you just hang around, wait, try and get another fight against T- T- Tyson Fury. Maybe make, maybe it'll make, t- it'll, I guarantee the second fight will f- sell a lot more because now that you have this whole story, people line, know it's legit. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So you look at that and it, you know, unless one of them gets knocked I'll out. I'll tell you what, I'm you I, set up for a good kind I didn't of watch the first one. I didn't even try. Didn't even look for it. Didn't even have caught the highlights later. I'll watch the second one. Like yeah. now, that, now that this guy has shown he can do it. So yeah. Uh speaking of a second one, I need a second beer. So we'll take a break here. Uh we'll be back in a second. We're gonna talk some UFC two ninety five. We're gonna talk about a couple of big main events uh that have been uh, announced for early 2024 uh there are some rumors now kicking around about conor mcgregor and uh, michael chandler that fight may be finally on the horizon we'll be back to dig into all of that in just a second all right we're back in and uh bunda's being responsible he's got other stuff to do here today so he's going to stick with the one especially because it's clocking in at like 8.5 9 percent or, or whatever so he's got to keep her on the rails here Listen, we, we applaud him being responsible and that it, uh it's it's a long broadcast so <laughs> you gotta kind of milk it out but no it's been good it's i like this beer it's really good beer like i like the the ipa the hops yeah what did you grab for your second pint that's it and so um this is a classic as well uh one of the kind of OG craft beers. This is the Waterloo Dark, right? I'm always a, a fan of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're just going to roll with that and uh, and move right into some talk about UFC 295. And I'm curious what you think of this one, man, because when you were in last time and we were talking UFC 294, mm-hmm. and that was in Abu Dhabi, and the whole top of the card was rejigged, 
And we talked at the time that it came out for the better. The, the new matchups yeah. after guys had gotten injured, and you don't want to see guys get hurt, but the new matchups that were made were better than the ones that had originally been scheduled. Well, this is another card that's Madison Square Garden. It's a big deal. They always try and do it up big when they go to New York. They've had to rejig this one. This was supposed to be John Jones and Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight title. Um, that's had to be scrapped, and so they've moved on. And I don't know that you could make the same case that the replacement fight this time is better than the old one, at least for selling names for star power. I, I know you're going to probably like, I, I know you and I really weren't looking forward to Jones and Miocic. No. Like the, it was, they were names, they're big names, but Miocic hasn't done shit since it's got to be almost three years since that guy's fought. Well, it's March of 2021 when he fought, he got knocked out by Francis. And right. Gone. Okay. So you're just sort of moving through this and, and it, it's been replaced by Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Pavlovich, and it's probably a better fight, but it doesn't have the same name value to main event a Madison Square Garden. And so I'm just curious when you look at this one, what your excitement level is, or do you, like, are you more interested in this one than the original heavyweight title fight here? Uh, from a fight aspect, yes. Yeah. Like I think that this, like the one thing that uh, I was okay with was, um, I was okay with the fact that when we when we saw this get changed, um, I, I like the idea of it was Jones versus Miocic in a, in a kind of like a goat battle, uh, because it's like, uh, you know, I don't really like John Jones, but no. he wants to call himself the greatest of all time, but he doesn't want to fight the best heavyweights of all, like in, no. the, in the division. He wants to fight Miocic who hasn't fought since he got knocked out tired March for, yeah. 20, like it's almost three years. Like you said, two and a half years. I said that, uh, Francis Ngannou hasn't fought, uh, since then too. That was a lie. Cause he fought January of 2022. Right. Um, uh, against Cyril gone was his last fight. Yeah. Um, that one went to decision, but. Um, that was a mistake I made earlier in the podcast. My bad. That's why the fans hate me. Uh, I'm going to get rattled when I, when I try and leave this place today. But when I look at the sense, um, I didn't like the fight Jones versus Miocic. I don't, I just didn't like it. Uh, like I said, uh, Stipe kind of came out of the woodwork saying he wanted a shot at the title after John Jones fought zero gone. It's just like. Okay, but you've also haven't fought since, like I said, March of 2021, and now all of a sudden you want to fight John Jones? Like, come on, man! Like, where have you been? Like, you yep. had this, you had this chance, you had a chance. So, if you wanted to, probably to fight Francis and Gano again, mm-hmm. but you didn't want to. Like, you kind of get into this Don't one spot for John Jones. Like, he wants to say that there's no other heavyweights right now that are worth fighting. Well, Pavlovich has been on an absolute tear. Yep. You look at uh, Tom Aspinall coming since coming back from his injury. Like, you know, you, you, you chalk up, you get rid of the Blades fight. He, you know, this guy's won ten in a row too. So I look at like, okay, so you don't want to fight the top heavyweights, but you want and you fight Cyril Gone, and you're like, okay, I'm, I want the uh, Stipe Miocic. So I'm like, okay, um, and then you know, once this uh, you know injury came about, and it's going to be a while, right? A torn pack. So yeah. uh, John Jones isn't going to fight for a long. Time. So we're going to look at, th- it's going to be past three years since me and Jitch gets a fight. Um, well, so, they're calling this, what did you think of, like they're calling this an interim heavyweight title fight when it should have, it, it, it should, it, it should be have been a vacated. It should be. Yeah. It and, should be and the title this fight. is the title fight. Undisputed yeah. title. But, because I look at the sense too, where Aspinall, when he was brought up, because Pavlovich was the guy that was here at the backup, like he was the third fighter for the fight. He was ready for this fight. So Pavlovich was here ready for, if there was an injury to happen between either one of these guys of, of Miocic. Or of John Jones. Yes. He was to step in. He was the backup fighter. Yes. Scheduled so the fight. So he's been training. So he's been training and he's ready and he's in shape and he's good to go. But then as soon as this fight happens, well, they pull the whole thing in general. Tom Aspinall was asked about this a few weeks ago and he was told as probably because this fight that they were supposed to fight. Pavlovich versus Aspinall was supposed to fight in general for this night. 
but they said no, they didn't want them to fight this fight because they wanted to have an, a title fight in 2024 for the heavyweight championship, and it was because it was supposed to be a double retirement night. Okay. So I'm assuming that's why this whole fight was going to be. It was John Jones versus Miocic. It's going to be the uh, you know the two goat uh, you know one of the best of all times in MMA and John Jones and one of the best heavyweights of all time and Stipe Miocic. Like having a fight, then they're both going to retire, put their gloves in. It was going to be a big thing, like you said, at MSG, yeah. big spectacle, big kind of big time thing. And instead of giving Miocic Pavlovich. They said, you know what, never mind. You and Dana White kind of said, oh, we, we're not going to disrespect him with an interim title fight. This guy's earned more. It's like, well, why not? This guy's not fought. Yeah. Like, who, what does he care? He hasn't because he wanted that. his one and done. He kind of wanted to fight John Jones and walk away. He didn't want to have an interim title fight. Yeah, would have made a lot of money there, too, more than he's going to make fighting Sure, sure. Pavlovich. But I look at the sense, too, is I don't think the UFC wants to see him get knocked out by Pavlovich in no, the first round. I think Because right. it's like, that's the thing. Francis Ngannou made this guy, uh, you know, not fight for basically a year and a half. Like, he hasn't taken on a fight. He hasn't even tried to fight a number one contender. And since until John Jones beats Cyril Gaon. Yeah, when, like, uh, like it's like, okay, when Ghanu punches you out with those mailboxes that he has for fists, exactly. and, and you don't require, you don't recover quickly. And, and Pavlovich has, you know, got some of the fastest similar, hands similar, ever. Yeah. yeah. In, in the UFC, like for a heavyweight, like he's, he's got some crazy hands for a big boy. So I think this whole situation has kind of worked out for the better because for a fight perspective, like I think Aspinall is a great fighter too. And I, this is, I'm really happy that he's, but he's, we should come back around to your original point. The Pavlovich yeah. has been training in case he was going to step in. Aspinall has yeah. been given no notice, right? Yeah. He has not had an eight week training camp. No. And it's, it's tough for him because he's been on the come up yeah. and it was cool of him to get this opportunity and to step in and take it. You know, Pavlovich is no joke mm. and it would be brutal for Aspinall to be punished here, right? Like if he does get finished or does look bad, one guy's been training, one guy hasn't. And look, when you take the fight, you know, you sort of know what you're getting into, but I hope if he loses here, they don't kind of reroute him right now. Now you got like three more to get back to another opportunity. Like he's been on the come up. And so I hope whatever happens here is kept in, in perspective. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I, the only question I guess I would have or, or concern and, and neither of those are really the right word, but like to come back to the MSG side, I think people paid a lot of money for mm-hmm. John Jones and Steve Miocic. And I'm not sure in terms of name value for some fans at MSG, this is like, this is not a, a Madison Square Garden heavyweight title fight in my mind. It, it it's two good fighters. It might be an entertaining fight, but this is not what people paid for. But sure, it was going to be hard to replace that. Yeah, I, well, I, that's the thing. Yeah, how how do you replace it? Yeah, even if you put for Pavlovich Madison Square Garden in, prices. Yeah. yeah, how do you how do you replace even Pavlovich versus Miacic? Like. Like that, that's not going to sell. No, like the whole. Sell it was John was, Jones. John Jones versus Miacic. Like yeah. I said, that that all time goat. Like I said, it, it made sense that there was rumors that this was going to be a double retirement fight. Yep. And there's a reason why. Like like I said, Miacic was like, I want to fight. I don't know why I wasn't offered an interim, but like whatever. And he's complaining about it. It's like, well, probably because the UFC wanted to protect you because if you get knocked out like you did again, yeah. you're not fighting against uh, John Jones. You know, next summer or next late next year, like at this time. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you're if gonna, you get fucked up here, you're going to be the probably whole thing's gone. You're not fighting again. The whole, <laughs> yeah. So I look at the sense of you know what that, that fight is Sergei the one that Pavlovich punching him back into retirement yeah. in Ohio there. And, uh, exactly. So oh, it's we need another three years. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, so, it's tough. But I look at it and it, it, I I know it's hard to replace that fight. But I think that this is a better fight for fight fans. Um, the heavyweight, but you know as well as I do. MSG crowds aren't necessarily fight crowds. Like they sort of are, but like it's going to be the place to be seen at Madison. And so you want a yeah. big name. 
I think that this fight though is going to be better, both in the octagon than the other fight would have been, yeah. and maybe the names aren't selling it. But what this does is this puts Pavlovich and Aspinall on a big stage to kind of build the sport and build the heavyweight division back up and build themselves. Too. And build like, themselves. Yeah. Like yeah. Aspinall is a guy, like I said, who you know if he hadn't had his injury to Curtis Blades, where he lost, technically loses that fight. Yep. When you know he never really lost that fight, he's winning ten in a row. This guy should have already had a title shot by now. He's a well-rounded heavyweight well, fighter, that, yeah. and I think that this is a guy that's you know he's been lingering around for a while now, but you know, since he's came back from his injury, you know, he, he looks like he's still a good fighter. He just, you know, has to be a lot smarter in the octagon. Um, I think that he's going to have to fight completely different when he fights a guy like Pavlovich, but for Pavlovich, this is a guy that has six straight first round knockouts. Like this guy's a monster. Um, he's got a four inch reach on, uh, on, um, on, uh, sorry, Aspinall, Aspinall but, um, uh, Aspinall is more of a wrestling kind of fighter, but you look at like, this is, this is a fight where we could have some serious fireworks. It's good for the UFC and it's good for these two fighters. So who do you like? Um, it's tough, man. Like this yeah. is a really tough fight because like I said, Aspinall is a guy that is, I think he's like a hundred percent on his takedowns. He's a, he's a good wrestler and he has his takedown defense too. He's never been taken down. So this is a guy that's really well-rounded. He's got some power. He's got to be careful because when he gets in there in the pocket and he's fighting, you see when he fought Volkov or you see when he fought uh, Marcin Tabura. Yeah. Like he's not afraid to kind of go in there with his chin up in a kind of an no, exchange. it's an unorthodox style and it sort of works for him, but it's not it's good, dangerous. Though. You it's don't do that against Pavlovich because no. Pavlovich, if no. he can see your chin, like it, you're, you're going to he's sleep. He's probably going to punch it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Pavlovich, like I said, is a guy that's, uh, he's got some of the fastest hands in the UFC. Yeah. Like if for a heavyweight, like he's got, like I've, I've seen everyone talk about, like this guy's nasty. Like his power is just ridiculous. He could just pop you and boom, you're down 100%. and it, it's good. And so I'm curious to see how this fight, per, like we haven't seen him be, you know, real wrestled about. We don't really know much about this guy. Can he be taken down? I'm leaning towards Aspinall because I think he's a more well-rounded fighter. Yeah. Um, but man, this is going to be tough. So I'm going to take Aspinall in this one. I think he can, you know, he could take him down. He could kind of submit him and I think he could wear him down. A submission, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you could submit him. You could, you know, work if, him. If, if by chance that was to go to the judges, you know, Pavlovich is going to have landed more strikes, right? Like he's maybe, I mean, that this is a tough one too, because like I said, Aspinall's a good boxer too. Like he's got some power. Like think, he doesn't I, have, I, I think if they're going to stand and bang, yeah. I think this is going to be Pavlovich's fight. Yeah, that's the thing, it, yeah. and that's where I'm curious to see how it happens. And also for for Pavlovich, uh, if you're if you're sitting there and this guy's just trying to take you down every once in a while, and he's you know kind of going in just throwing a jab every once in a while, then getting out of the pocket, so yep. he's not trying to trade and get himself into a stuck a stuck spot. You're going to see Pavlovich put himself in a spot where he's swinging and he's going to gas himself. You know, if you if you're if you're Tom Aspinall, you just got to do everything you can to get this to the third, fourth, or fifth round. Like this is going to be a title fight, so you're going to get the five rounds because it's for the interim title. So you want to make Pavlovich get past the first round. You want to gas oh, this yeah. guy a bit. You yeah, want to work yeah, him out. Yeah. You want to get him to the ground. You have to wrestle him. You're going to have to beat him up, and you're going to have to try and make him, you know, feel uncomfortable. You're going to have to frustrate the hell out of him because this is a guy that just kind of patiently awaits his victims. He's kind of like you know a hunter. He's out there. He's waiting. He gets in there. If Aspinall wants to get in his grill and kind of trade with him, it, like you're just fighting his fight, and you're just going to be. And I, when you see fighters do that and they say, you know what, I'm going to, you know, fight to this guy. It's the egos in there. Oh, I could box with this guy. Don't have that mentality, Tom Aspinall. Just don't do it. Like you have some power and you got some good striking, you know, get your shots in and get out. Like, don't leave your chin up. Be good. So I'm going to take Aspinall because I do believe, like I said, he's going to, you know, try and take him down and he's, he's a real good take. He's a good wrestler. Um, you know, Pavlovich, I'm sure he can wrestle, but I'm curious to see, you know, this is a big one. You know, like I said, there's a four inch reach on Pavlovich's side. So like I said, if he's in there in the pocket trading, it's just a recipe for disaster. I don't know. That's what I like. How, how are you picking this one? Do you have a, a good read on it either? 
Because uh, I no, really don't, man. Yeah, I'm no, telling. I don't either. And, and this one's been thrown together at the last minute. I think, like you kind of pointed out, I'll be shocked if this gets and to the judges. that's the other thing to, to, to I, factor in, too, is, like I said, Pavlovich been training. That's it. And, and we just saw what happened with uh, with uh, Volkanovsky, right, getting knocked out. Quick fight, didn't really have the training ready. Yep. Makachev was already training. Right. He was ready to go. I so don't that's where I'm that. at with this one, too. Yeah. I don't think that either one of these guys are really set up to go deep right now. I think, I think Pavlovich wants to knock him out in the first round or two. I would say if we get to round kind of two to three, I would sort of give the the advantage back to Aspinall that he's going to be able to take him down, tire him out, and wrestle him. But once we get into four and five, I think it kind of goes back to Pavlovich because he's been training. He'll have the endurance. He'll he'll whatever. So I'm going to say that Pavlovich probably knocks him out in the first round or two. But if that doesn't happen, I think all of a sudden things start to swing wildly back towards Aspinall. We should we should move into that light heavyweight fight because to me this is the one that's most interesting to me on this the card. Main event of the night. Yeah, Alex Pereira, <laughs> and uh, he's taking on Yuri Prohoshka, and this goes back a while, right? Like a, mm. a year ago at this time, we had like three straight cards spoiled by guys in the title picture here getting hurt and fights being waived, and and you're also seeing Alex Pereira, like he has an opportunity here to do something that is almost unfathomable. He could become a two weight class champion in two sports. He did it in kickboxing and now he's already been uh, a middleweight champion in the UFC and he has a chance here. He obviously could become a light heavyweight champion. Prohoshka is coming off that injury, right? It was his shoulder. So I think it's been 18 months since he's fought. It's been a while, yeah. I'm not sure I love this matchup for him. I, I think Pereira is, is despite the fact that he's only been in the UFC for like three years now, he's been undefeated in like, I guess he's not undefeated. He had the loss to, to Izzy mixed in there, but mm-hmm. he's been on a, on a roll. I, I just, there's something about this that Alex Pereira looks far more comfortable at light heavyweight than he did at middleweight, right? Like he's a big dude to begin with. Not that Yuri's a small guy. I'm intrigued by this fight. Yuri is another guy. It was interesting to me that you brought up uh, in the last one that Aspinall kind of leads with his chin a little bit. So does Yuri. Yuri Prohoshka's got kind of that unorthodox style where he keeps his head really high and his chin's sort of out there. And man, Alex Pareda, if he he makes contact there, like it's going to be over fast. And so I'm sure that's been identified. I'm sure they've talked about that in, in Prohoshka's camp. But yeah, to me, this looks like a fascinating fight, but I, I'm... You know, I'm already sort of giving it away. I'm leaning heavy toward Alex Parade on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's tough. Like you said, Prohashka hasn't fought since June of 2022 when he mm-hmm. had that injury, um, and it's tough because. But and I'm uh, I was a I, and I still am. I'm a big Parade guy too. Like yeah. I think Alex Parade is nasty. Yeah, and I think that the UFC kind of pushed him into this spotlight. Like I think he's had, you know, he got pushed and kind of accelerated towards middleweight fight so we could see someone fight. Uh, is he at a Sanya? And yeah. that's the thing. He has the wins against them. But then what happened in the second fight? Well, he was too confident going in there with his chin up. Yeah, and he wanted to trade. He had a, Izzy in a weak spot, but Izzy just caught him, and that's the thing. You you got to be careful. Prohashka hasn't fought like in a while, so I'm curious to see if the the rust is there. Yeah, but for Yuri, this guy likes to trade too, and like you said, his chin's up, so I can see. But this if one. he likes to trade, he's coming off a shoulder injury. Like that scares me a little. Will the power be there? Sure, right to be able to match 
what what you know Pareda is going to be able to do. Yeah, and that's the thing. So these guys, like this is an all out. Like I, I didn't have a great read on the other heavyweight because of yeah. you know the kind of different styles. These guys have a lot of the same styles. I think Yuri's a bit more of a, a, a bigger kind of guy, like in that kind of sense. Like I would put him in the Bukovich. Like yeah, these guys are bulkier, bulkier kind of, yeah. light heavyweights yeah. that could probably be heavyweights kind of thing. Yeah, and I look at the sense that you know this is going to be an interesting fight because I I don't see much of this going to the ground. No, um, but I'm curious to see if this is just these guys go right at it right away and they don't really give a shit about you know <laughs> rules or safe zones or yeah. the po- they just want to go and trade or do we see a more calculated like you know for Perea like I think he's done a good job of kind of learning when he fought Bokovic you kind of saw a different fighter and a guy that learned to not get in and trade with that so where I'm curious to see if he's Bokovic similar to Yuri like that kind Chanel. of bowling ball well but yeah. also the big bulky very uh, yeah like Perea to me there's not many guys who can match him on his feet or on there, but if he goes down with a guy like with Blahovich or mm. or or Yuri, I don't like his chances anymore. Right? Like I now I think Yuri more than Blahovich. Yuri was going to be is going to be more interested in staying on his feet too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Parade is almost like kind of lankier or something. Like the, it, there's just a different build to them that on the ground I don't like his chances. But standing up, uh, the, there's going to be a reach thing there. There's going to be a like, I don't know, man. This is an intriguing one, and I, I just I just think. Alex Pereira is so special, right? Is it Glory is the name of the, yeah. the kickboxing? Yeah, yeah. And to to be a world champion there in two divisions and then walk into the UFC and within a couple of years already have won a middleweight title and now be in position to win a light heavyweight title. Man, I, there's just something about this guy. He's not infallible. Nobody is, right? But there's something about this guy that tells me I, I think he's getting it done on, on Saturday night. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough because even I, I look back to Yuri and his fight against Glover Teixeira, his last fight yeah, that he yeah. had where he, he won by submission, he wasn't winning that fight. Glover was better than him in that fight. Yep. So this is going to be a, an interesting to see, like I said, for a guy that hasn't fought since then, um, how does he fight a, against a big striker too? Yep. And, and you know, Glover is more of a well-rounded fighter than I would call him as a pure striker. Sure. Whereas Perea kind of comes in and he, I'm sure... I'm wondering for him if his his goal is, you know what, this guy's probably going to be rusty. I'm going to go in there and pick him up right away. Yeah. And that's something where, where Glover, uh, Glover Teixeira against uh, Yuri showed, well, like, I'm going to try and have a full rounded fight. It's funny, I too, because Glover's always right there in exactly. Pareda's corner. So there's going to be some communication there. There's well, going to be some insight. There's going to be. Uh, well, and that's the thing. Glover turned down a fight with Yuri a couple, like a year ago. Like, yeah. that was the thing for this. So, yeah. like, there was, or, or again, sorry, he, uh, Glover turned down a fight. Uh, against Pereira against Pereira earlier. Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious to see how this works out. Um, but I, I'm going to lead towards, uh, uh, Pereira as well, yeah. because uh, like I said, I think it's been a while for Yuri. Um, it's going to take a little bit for him to kind of get it together. And I think that Pereira is in a spot where, like I said, his, his stardom has kind of been accelerated because yep. of, uh, like I think his name won, but also just he's nasty. He's good. Uh, I think that the light heavyweight division needs a, kind of more of a face and right some now. stability. Like we talked about exactly. Here, like the title's been sort of passed around in these interim. And of this. Yeah, it, the whole, that. yeah, it was a mess. <laughs> so let's get somebody in there and, and get this done. Yeah. Uh, as we move on into this card, I'm going to ask you, as I always do, to pick a fight that, that you're interested in checking out. But for me, I'm not going any further than third, uh, third on the 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 pay-per-view card Jessica Andrade and Mackenzie Dern and the you got kind of two fighters headed in different directions I think you and I both like Jessica Andrade but mm-hmm. she's sort of on her way down right she's lost a few lately and she is now solidly a gatekeeper in this weight class and you know I 
it's obviously possible she steps up and beats Mackenzie Dern, but I think at this point Dern is is sort of trying to establish herself. I would lean towards Mackenzie Dern quickly in this one, but um, yeah, you can't disrespect Jessica Andrade. No, I think Mackenzie Dern, if she wins this fight too, she's in a spot where she gets a title shot yeah. against Zhang Weili. Yep. I think, and, and well-deserved. I think like Mackenzie Dern is in a spot though where Andrade you can't take lightly. No. Like she, she can be, one fight she could be, like it looks like she's a champ. I think she's up to 12 losses now though. So yeah. they're starting to pile up a little. They are. And yeah. that's the thing. One fight she could look like she's all world and she's a champ again. Or she could just look like she's just a body that's kind of a gatekeeper. Yep. All right, I'll fight you. And then she loses and it's like, oh, dang. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm in a spot where I think this is a big fight for Mackenzie Dern for sure. Yep. And if she can win this one and she can handle it, um, this is going to be one that puts her in a spot to get a title shot next. So, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see what happens. But I, I'm, uh, I think that uh, Mackenzie Dern wins this I one. Think I so just think too. that Andrade has shown in our last couple of fights that she's just not quite herself anymore. So give me another one on this card you're looking forward to. Yeah, let me look on the card and see what I've got here because there's a couple I was I was looking at and I'm like I'm not really sure. This is and and this like while you're pulling that open there and taking a look at, at this is one of those things that once you take John Jones and Stipe Miocic out again that those name value that superstar thing this all the way down this card doesn't feel like an MSG card. It's not that it's going to be a bad card. Oftentimes these end up surprising you, right? They end up be really entertaining, but there's not a ton of name power up and down any part of this, whether it be the, the pay-per-view portion or, or the prelims. There's some interesting names, but there's not a lot of star power here. Yeah, no, uh, but I will look at another another fight on uh, the main card that I think is a big one too, is Matt Frivola versus Benoit Saint-Denis. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one that where Benoit Saint-Denis is kind of a guy that uh, he's he's showing he kind of belongs. Yep. And I think that's, I'm curious to see how that one goes because the card honestly isn't that great if no. you go around through it. But uh, Matt Frivola too is another guy where it's he- It's one of those ones I'll be looking for that link. I'm not I'm not paying for this one. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> listen, I, I always know a guy named Cody that can hook you up. But, um, you know, he's coming off of a big win against Drew Dober, uh, sorry, Matt Frivola. So I think that he's in a spot where he's a bit older now where he wants to kind of show what he really is. So I'm curious to see that fight. I think it's a sneaky good fight right. that could win fight of the night. These guys have both kind of uh, left it a lot on And I think Frivola's a New York guy, so the crowd will be... Exactly. I think that's well, that was my other point of it, yeah, but yeah. good call on you for... See, like, you were asking me for the I other fight. I know a little bit. Yeah, you do. I think you're learning, but no, it's <laughs> for, for... Like, I think that's one that's going to get the New York crowd going, yep. but uh, also just those both those guys kind of always leave it all on the octagon, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that this is the the low-key, other than I'm sure that if there's a knockout in the, you know, between Pavlovich or Aspinall or whatever happens in that fight, or even between Perea and and um, uh, Yuri, I think that this is the fight that uh, is going to win fight of the night. I okay. think it's going to just have fireworks, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So a week or so ago, we did see Dana White put out a video where he unveils three main events for the first three cards of 2024. The first one, obviously, is going to be at uh, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto in January, but also the February and March cards uh, get their main events. I, I, I assume you can pull those up in front of you. I don't. Um, but I'm curious... Which of the three, you know, we can run through them and, and what's been announced here and then which three, you know, maybe, or <laughs> which three, which one has uh, your attention? Um, you know, we did see that uh, Volkanovsky has been given a fight in February. He was asking for January. I think it's probably best that he's been given that extra month. Um, the matchup they've, they've main evented Toronto with is interesting to me, but what, what do we got coming up here in, in January, February and March? January is our good friend, Sean Strickland. Uh, he's defending his belt against uh, Drikis Duplessis yeah. in Toronto yep. for UFC 297. So 
Uh, it's kind of disappointing because I saw that there were rumors that we could see Cheeto versus Sean O'Malley in Toronto. Yeah. So that was one where I was driving down to watch live. <laughs> like I was going to go watch Sugar Sean uh, in That's person. Your boy, I know that. Yeah. Th- this is an interesting one, and we'll get you know we can kind of move through these. Sean Strickland, and I know the UFC often doesn't pay too much attention to this stuff. But that's your gun-toting, USA-loving... Well, he's already that? chirped Canada. Like, he's already kind of chirped. Like, so he had is, a tweet right away about it. He was what already... What's the point of this? Like... Yeah. Wait, Duplessis, what? that's going to be a tough sell to make him your good guy. Like, by default, I guess, he'll become the favorite for the crowd in, in Toronto. But, like, yeah. you could have done some things. That, like, why... You, you make Sean Strickland fight... And not make. Like, I'm not trying to be an asshole. But give him Vegas if you want to. But even more likely, like, Chicago or Cleveland or... You know, the heart of America somewhere, mm. Tampa Bay, I don't know, like one of these things where that stuff that he's all about will play better than than being in Canada. Like that it, that was an odd choice and maybe it's just timing, but, mm-hmm. and sometimes the USC doesn't pay or the UFC doesn't pay enough attention to these things and, and or just doesn't care. But that crowd, that Toronto crowd is not going to react well, I don't think, to Sean Strickland. Uh, yeah, well, especially when he puts out a tweet, why Canada, question mark, GSP, you do this BS, no guns, no freedom of speech, UFC, you fucking with me? That was his tweet when he saw the fight announcement the other day. So wow. this seems like a guy that doesn't really care about coming to fight in Toronto either, but yeah. you know what? It's still going to be a great fight. I, I, I mean, I don't really care where the fights usually are. Uh, the crowds are always usually good, sure. like, it, it, regardless. But of you what, would if you were buying tickets. Yeah, like, is this my main event? This is the guy I'm supposed to get really excited about. This is. It's not going to sell a lot of tickets here in Ottawa. Uh, sorry, in, in Toronto, that's for sure. But it's especially it, when y- probably Toronto fans who were going to buy tickets to this were like right behind Volkanovski. Like, yes, like let him fight again in January. I'm there for Vol. Yeah. Right. Like, well, and like uh, I said, there was another rumor too that it was going to be O'Malley versus Cheeto in January too. So the fact that it kind of got and there was also talk that. Oliveira and uh, and Islam was going to be the main event there. Like yeah. this 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 Strickland one has come out of nowhere, and it's an odd choice. And yeah, we can get into the fight if you want or, or whatever. But the matchup to me is a weird place to to, to be having it. What, what's uh, what's the February fight? Uh, sorry, yeah, the February fight after that is uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah, he's going to fight at one forty five, and he's taking on Ilya Topuria in February. So that's two ninety eight. So that's the natural next one in that weight class, right? That that he's gone up now to lightweight twice. He's lost twice. And he looked, I don't know, his, his interview after that last one, last month, 294, where he loses to, uh, to Islam. Uh, he's keep me busy. There, there was a lot going on. Like I'll, I'm ready to fight in January. And, and to me, like the guys fought a lot. He clearly that night had been rattled, right? He was knocked out cold. I think he needed to take at least the extra month and yeah. now he's got it. But to man, that's, that's not an easy fight no. and it's still not that long. Like it's February. He's not taking a whole lot of time off and he could derail his, his thing. Like he's coming back trying to run his own, uh, his own division again, mm-hmm. but there's a monster waiting for him. And if he's not totally ready, this is where it, careers get derailed a little bit and I'm not yeah. saying he's, his whole career is about to get fucked up but you yeah. know what I'm saying that like if you're not oh, ready yeah. Tapira will fuck you up it's well and that's the thing too for for a lot of these fighters whenever they have like they get knocked out or they have injuries whatever usually they'll get looked at whatever I'm assuming that uh, Volkanovski got put on a 60 day suspension because of his knockout yeah that usually happens when these guys get no, knocked, you're right, bad yeah. knockouts ugly knockouts whatever happens they usually get put off concussion on the shelf protocol, basically, yeah. yeah they kind of get put in a spot where look you just had a bad or if they have a war hey you're not fighting you're on a 
60 day kind of like it's yep. they call it 60 day suspension but you're just not allowed to fight yeah so, suspension gives it a bad sound but really it's just yeah we're pretty sure you're fucked up you're yeah. not fighting for a while and the thing is i brought it up with usman before i it's so different when you see some of these older guys volks a little bit of an older champion too but when you get knocked out how do you fight in yep. the next fight again yep. and look i look at this whole thing as volk went into that fight with not much of a camp mm-hmm. um i believe he's a pro and he was probably ready for it anyways but yeah the islam fight in 294 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i maybe he was just not uh, you know fully yep. aware of whatever it is and i'm not making no joke <laughs> no that's the thing i'm not making any excuses yep. for volk but you know what at the end of the day he took the fight on short notice he lost that fight he got knocked out um, that, that kind of idea of him versus Makachev is kind of squashed. Just, yeah. He should, chilled. he should have, uh, I know he wanted to take that fight on last, last minute notice. Um, they needed to save that card. Volk is, uh, one of my favorite fighters well, I mean, of now, all time. Like coming out of that yeah, one. But, no. but he's the champ down at featherweight and. Yeah, I'm just curious to see though. Uh, like you said, look at Usman, not the same guy. Nope. He was beating up Leon Edwards. He gets the head kick knocked out. Second fight against Leon Edwards. Doesn't look as good. Him versus Hamzat. Didn't look the same. Like nope. he just, he's a guy that uh, I'm not sure where he's at right now. So for Volk, I look at this and I'm like, I really want to see him bounce back. And I know that this, like he's a, he's a, one of my favorite fighters of all time. He's a yeah, great yeah. champ. I think this is a guy that now he knows that, you know, him and Makachev thing that he's tried it. He's done it. It's not working out. No. You know, he's going to just focus on his division. Good for him. But Chaperia, like you said, this guy's nasty. He's no messing around. Nope. Uh, he's a well-rounded fighter. He's a good striker. He's great on the ground. He's good jujitsu. Like this is a guy that uh, could be a, a potential champion one day. I think he's, he's got a lot to show here, but I'm expecting a big fight. Like that's a good one and very exciting fight to make. I know you're looking forward to March, UFC 299. The main yeah. event there has Bunda's name all over it. Yep. Sean O'Malley versus Cheeto Vera, 299 in March. Really hoping for it to be in January, and uh, I was excited for it. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm happy because, one, I think this is the fight to make. I know Aljamain Sterling all of a sudden wants to have his rematch, but Aljamain also leading up to that fight against O'Malley was all, I'm going to move up. I'm moving up after this fight. Mm-hmm. Once I, like he did, he took O'Malley lightly almost. And he's, uh, you know, kind of just trash talked and was all about moving up. But then he gets knocked out by O'Malley. And now all of a sudden he d- thinks he deserves a rematch. And I'm like, you know what? Sure. You can, I, I can get it. But when you go and you complain and then you do all this, but you talk about how much you were moving up beforehand, just shows you weren't committed. But now that you lose, you're like, oh, I need to revenge my loss. Yeah. yeah well, too fucking bad. That's where I look at it. Cheeto Vera and, and O'Malley is kind of the bigger fight to make no matter what because of the, you know, animosity, the injury to O'Malley's foot when they fought, uh, you know, that kind of set O'Malley back for a little bit. Then he's kind of climbed all the way back up or Cheeto kind of went down for a minute and, yep. and now he's back up in the spot. There's a little bit of bad blood between the two of them. This is going to sell fights. This is going to be a big, this is going to be a huge pay-per-view. It's going to be one of the biggest ones of next year for sure, because I think that these two guys are perfect to sell a fight. They're both good on the mic. They don't like each other. Uh, uh, O'Malley, I was uh, at work the other day and I'm watching uh, your morning with like uh, with Kelly and I don't even know what the hell is going on, but the, America's Biggest Show. It used to be Regis and Kathy. Yeah, Lee Regis and Kathy. They're doing then it was Michael and, and Kelly and now it's all of a sudden. Still it's still Michael Strahan? No, it wasn't. It was oh, somebody no, else. I just Michael don't know. It, it was someone else okay. and, and Kelly, but uh, who, who, do, who do they have on the show? Sugar Sean O'Malley. No way. He's showing up with his belt. And I'm like, when has the UFC ever had anybody on yeah, this damn show? And why is it O'Malley? <laughs> because O'Malley is the king of the UFC right now. Like he is. Like he's selling fights. He's getting like the UFC wanted to put him on a fight, I think, in December with Connor and that or whatever it was. He was asking for it. The UFC has been trying to get him to fight. Well, they've been trying to get everyone wants to see Connor fight, but he's too busy doing whatever the hell he's doing <laughs> half the time. But, um, 
I think the UFC O'Malley said to him, uh, they want him to headline his own pay-per-view. They want to see his own pay-per-view buys. They want to see how much he brings in. They think that O'Malley can sell fights on his own. You've been talking about and, this guy for a year or two now, maybe a little more than that, about O'Malley? star power, right? Oh, yeah. Coming up that he was going to be the next, you know, it, it'll take a little time to get there, but he would be a star power guy. He and it would, didn't take would, much time for him. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. This guy is, uh, he's good in the octagon, but he's good on the mic. And he's just, like I said, he's, he does a good job of giving himself a lot of opportunities. Like I said, he's got his Twitch. He's got a, all of his video games. He's got his, uh, prime, uh, you know, the one thing I was always worried about when it came to O'Malley is his videos of him just smoking weed and then <laughs> wrestling in the gym and then he's hitting bags and he's doing all that. It's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I think he posted a video where he's hitting the punching bags and he's got a joint in his mouth. And then, you know, he's got, uh, Tim Welch, is one of his trainers and he's just hanging out with him and it's just like, he's behind a scooter and he, I'm like, all right, but is this guy ever going to take it seriously enough to be a champion? Yeah. And he has. But now you want to see him keep doing that more. And he's still putting out the videos where he's smoking weed and doing whatever he wants to do. But like I said, <laughs> to see, him on, see him on America's Biggest Morning Show, yeah. walking out there with his title belt and his weird suit that he wears, which is flashy, he's different. But uh, that's the guy. That's what he does. So he's gonna. this is going to be the biggest, I think, pay-per-view of the year next year, other than if we ever get the John Jones versus... Well, so this is interesting, and this is where I wanted to go next, because it leaves mm-hmm. a lot of questions for what I think a lot of people might disagree with you on perhaps myself included, on mm-hmm. what's going to be the biggest fight of next year or the biggest card of next year. Why are we already talking mud- about next well, year? Hold, hold, November. hold on, though. I know, it's weird, though. We're already talking about 2024. So, it's kind of funny. So you're talking about Sugar Sean headlining UFC 299. The natural next one in April is UFC 300. Mm-hmm. You know they're going to want to load that up. And you just ran it down um, for us. Sugar Sean's fighting a month earlier. He's not on 300. Mm-hmm. Volkanovski's at 298 in February. He's not fighting on 300. Sean Strickland fought in January on, or is fighting in January on 297. He's not going to be on 300. So now you start to go, well, what's the big fight? Mm-hmm. What is the stacked card that they're going to run out for UFC 300, which you know they're going to want to make huge. And you're starting to run out of names. And the, the ones that you come around to, and they're not going to work well together, but it's Islam Makachev. He'll have uh, been off since October. You cannot expect him to be ready for, for UFC 300. But we're also hearing talk that that's when they're finally going to trot out Michael Chandler and Conor McGregor. And mm-hmm. I've seen Ariel Hawani talking about this. I've seen a few people talking about this. Do you want those guys on the same card? Because the Conor McGregor camp and the Islam Makachev camp do not get along. Mm-hmm. Your press conferences are going to be a gong show. Um, not just in terms of the way people yell. And these guys won't even be fighting each other. But like not just the way people talk to each other. Will it come to blows on stage? Mm-hmm. Can they pull that off? Is that what you would want to do? Like you start to run down these champions. Like I guess Alexa Grasso. You should also expect maybe to, to fight on that 300 card. But Henry Cejudo might be another one they try and bring out. I guess. But in terms of championships even. Like yeah. you're. You're running out of options fast, especially if you can't do Connor and Chandler and uh, Islam versus whoever on the same card. Mm-hmm. Would you be worried about putting them on the same card, or you know, is that what your expectation would be in terms of trying to sell? Like, let's just see if Connor gets in the octagon first. To be honest, like I, I'm never gonna believe that he's fighting until he's legit fighting. Like I'm in this spot where I don't. He's know. not gonna fight now. 
and then again at 300. Like that would be his return. No, that's like, what I mean. Yeah, at 300, yeah. like that's his his return target now is apparently 300. But you know, I think he just what he just did his first urine sample with the with USADA, whatever it was, not yeah. long ago. And I know that the UFC and USADA are, are going to separate anyways in 2024. So they got this guy from the uh, the FBI who is one of the lead interrogators of Saddam Hussein, and apparently he's going to be running a Dana's all this and that about it. Oh I don't God. really care. I just want to know if the guy's ever going to fight. You can sell me on that. I mean, April 2024 is a far ways away. We could be looking at Pavlovich versus someone for the title, uh, you know, heavyweight championship, right? Yeah, I guess like, so. There's a, there's a heavyweight championship that should be there to fight, to, to like, to happen. So I, I know John Jones, Miacic isn't going to be ready by then because no. it sounds like uh, John Jones isn't going to be ready for quite a while, right? Torn pack. So yep. I look at a couple of the big names. They, this is the one where they always bring names in too. So like I said, Cejudo is going to be around. We're well, number see- 200, they brought back out of nowhere Brock Lesnar. Yeah, which, and, and that was the thing they gave him a drug. What didn't they give him the they failed like, yeah drug the, the drug <laughs> test? Like, oh, and, whatever, fight anyway. <laughs> yeah, and Mark Hunt got robbed of all that. And yeah. He just got basically beat up, and <laughs> and his career was basically over yeah. after that anyway. So he kind of got screwed. But so Connor, I think that uh, when he, you know he took forever, that this is the perfect setup for it. But I'm never going to be sold on these two are going to fight until they actually you know are going to fight. Do and you they're think in the he and Islam can be on the same card? Yeah, I think they can. And, and honestly, if they if they are, they're just doing it to sell. Like that's like I said, you you could put up both. If Connor does fight out that three hundred, like three hundred is going to be the biggest selling pay per view of next year. I do think Cheeto versus O'Malley is going to be the biggest one and probably one of the better fights too. I'm not really sure what to expect from uh, McGregor versus Chandler. Anyways, like three hundred is going to sell though on the name. Like even Laps exactly. fans who it, haven't really watched since like 2012 or whatever. Yeah, ah, three hundred. I might throw fifty bucks down on that. Right? Yeah, like, well, it's, well, if it's fifty bucks, probably well, gonna be hundred and something. I mean, yeah, you know what I'm saying for like, sure. But I, I look at that as buddies. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I look at it very much in a sense that uh, that has the potential to be the biggest pay-per-view of next year, and it should. I think the UFC is going to go all out to, like you said, stack that card. Um, but I also am... Like, I'm, what's Izzy going to be doing? That's the thing. Could uh, you, like, there's some names. That, like, Volk can't do it. Mm-hmm. Alex Pareda, does he get through this healthy? Could he be doing something? Like you said... Well, you, there's a lot that could happen here. I, and I'm excited to see because, like I said, there could be a good setup, but... My thing is, I look at the Diaz. Heavy- could you bring him back for three hundred? No, I don't think you could do that. I think you look at a lot of uh, the only other thing I think of is, like you said, though they want to bring back names for this one. And uh, well, my only Ronda wa- Rousey's return. Yeah, maybe her, or maybe someone else who's in the boxing world right now that maybe wants to try his title back. Oh, um, okay. Does Francis and Gano oh, somehow sign a contract and come back and fight juicy. Pavlovich for three hundred? That's juicy talk. It could be. I'm just something I look at is, I. That's, that's there's got, a lot of options. That's got too much of Dana White with his tail between his legs. I, I, I yeah, but you know what proud. Dana White wants to do is he wants to have a big fucking UFC 300. He wants a big fat bonus check and he wants to sell a hell of a lot of you fights. You heard it here UFC. first, Francis and Ganu. Francis and Ganu. I, I was kind of waiting on that. Amazing. I was waiting that all podcast. I was going to bring it up earlier, but okay. I brought it up at the end because. Uh, I knew you'd be asking me about 300 yep. in April, but I, that's something where, like I said, the UFC has always done a good job of bringing guys back. Well, if Dana White can somehow lure him in with some kind of a swallow big fight, pride a little swallow little. his pride, I think that that's the fight to make. If if Pavlovich or Aspinall, I don't know if it's Aspinall, I can do the same thing. I think you could. No, I think you're right, though. I think Pavlovich versus Nganu is a much more interesting fight than... Yeah. Than Ganu versus Aspinall or, yeah. or something. Hundred percent. When you got two guys that can throw and knock you down and knock you out within one second, yeah. like that's the kind of fight you're or you're always expect. Like that's the ultimate heavyweight championship fight. 100%. Like it's the ultimate one. And, and you want that. It, there's still for all the things we now know about how entertaining some of these smaller guys are. But there's still something about the heavyweight championship. Yeah, hundred percent. So and, if Pavlovich needs to be that kind of spot, yeah. that's where the UFC has struggled 
in the last few yeah, years. Yeah, their heavyweight division's been one of their weakest. It's been the weakest. Yeah. It's been terrible. And it's been very hard for them to kind of turn it over since, you know, the back last couple of years of, you know. Shane Carwin and Kane Velasquez. Yeah, Kane Velasquez. Uh, you you got name? Brock Lesnar. Yeah. And like, you know, here's Randy Couture coming out here. Frank Mir. Like, you know, I'm kind of going back. Bigfoot, right? Like, yeah. You know, uh, Alistair Overeem. Alistair Overeem, yes. He's been, but I mean, I, I look at the sense too, though, where when you're in the UFC and, and you're looking for the heavyweight uh, title, the, the t- title fights here, yep. like that's the one where, like I said, if Pavlovich in Madison Square Garden knocks out Tom Aspinall, establishes that's, that establishes yeah. that gives him yeah. a lot of hype and yeah. stardom. You then now put him in a position where he could fight at UFC 300, and Come then back, now he's, sell it. And Ganu never lost his title. He's yeah. coming back. Wants to who's the fight? But that's the thing. This is an interim title fight right now between Pavlovich and Aspinall. Why the hell is it when there's no champion? Yeah. Like, just give it to no, them. No, that's it. This should have been a you're fight look- for the vacated heavyweight title, not an so interim. So you're kind of looking into, you know what, UFC 300 is the next available pay-per-view for one of these guys to fight. I think that that's one where that's you have Pavlovich for someone. Like Aspinall, too. You could even do Aspinall. If Aspinall knocks out Pavlovich, like this guy also, like th- there's a chance here. I'm kind of looking down on him because he doesn't have that kind of raw power. He's a yeah, good yeah. striker, but if he has a great performance against uh, uh, Pavlovich and he kind of, you know, kills that buzz, you know what, why not have Ngannou come back versus Aspinall? He'll have uh, earned it. If it's a boring fight where he kind of just wrestles him around and it's like nothing like we just saw yeah, with Almeida versus uh, Derek Lewis over the weekend. It's like, okay, this is a useless heavyweight championship. <laughs> Why are you putting Derek Lewis in there with a wrestler? Yeah. It's just stupid. Yeah. So I look at the sense of, you know what, Aspinall and Pavlovich have a good chance here to headline or be the one, like the main guy. But I look at it in a sense of never count out Dana White to kind of go like, like at the time when he brought in uh, Brock Lesnar for that UFC 200, yeah. he was in wrestling and he had no idea or yeah, cares yeah. about wanting to go back to the UFC. Yeah, I think and it was WWE champ at the time. Yeah, and it was all of a sudden it's like <laughs> he signed a contract and boom, he's yeah. going to the UFC and oh yeah, he's he's doing it in short notice so we're not even going to drug test him, we're just going to send him into the <laughs> octagon. And it was like, okay, cool. And it sold Sacrifice a lot of money. Mark it sold though, right? And yeah, that's oh, what yeah. matters. So uh, it's a completely different situation for Francis Ngannou where things, you know, I know Brock left the UFC too, not on the best terms either, but also that, you know, Francis Ngannou is more of a businessman and if he really doesn't want to, I could see him just saying, screw off, I'm going to box Tyson but Fury. it's an interesting thought. Man. That, just the one I wanted to bring up yeah. that if Pavlovich has a big time knockout, the two baddest dudes and baddest strikers in the heavyweight division the last couple of years, like, you know, nothing to do against DC and Cormier and, yeah. uh, or, uh, or, or Miacic, but just like that, this is going to be a huge fight. So I think that that's one to just keep an eye on and maybe something happens there. Maybe it doesn't happen at all. I'm not really sure how his PFL yeah. contract works, we'll but be circling back to this, in circle a back of to that. If that happens, Bunda said first that, uh, to keep an eye out for it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, uh, it's about time to wrap this one up and we've covered some ground here today, man. We've, we had a lot of things to cover and we got to it, right? I think that was everything, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. man. Pretty good for right now, I, I think. Uh, yeah. UFC-wise, we, we finally touched on just about everything that we could. Unless you want to keep talking about fights, I can talk about anything. <laughs> I love fights. Yeah. No, there's always meat on the bone for that topic, for sure. So uh, 295 goes this Saturday, Madison Square Garden, back at uh, a 10 p.m. start. So um, not quite the hype that it had, but uh, still looks like a solid enough uh, main and, and co-main event. So we'll keep an eye on all of that and everything that's to come. And obviously whenever there's big fight news to talk about, we'll get Bunda back in here for sure. So appreciate you doing it, man. Always appreciate you coming in. Appreciate you bringing the beer. Appreciate you fighting through the fans out in front there. And, yeah, uh, I got to fight through them to get out of here now. But uh, <laughs> thank you for having me on, Matty. Always love it, dude, and enjoy. All right, we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up here. Don't forget, coming up next week, our buddy Hoffley will be back in here. We're going to talk to Mike Comito, author of Leafs 365. That's going to be fun. We're working on Creech. You know Versage is going to be around. 
they'll be uh i'm gonna have to child proof my fridge out there and make sure he's he's only picking from the stuff that he's allowed to take we'll yeah. we'll get into all of this stuff make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you are make sure you hit the make sure you hit the subscribe button and uh, give us a follow on social media at talk and audio bundle over here is on socials as well at steve bunda 91 we'll wrap this up here for steve bunda i'm matt robinson thank you so much for listening we'll see you monday what was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? <laughs>